Okay, everyone. Uh, welcome. Thursday night cheer. Tonight's cheer was sponsored by Rabbi Yochanan and Shoshana Mansuri. This is in honor of Mrs. Mansuri, Shoshana Mansuri's father, whose yard site is on Tishabov. His name is, on the 9th of August, going to be the Shabbos, uh, Mayor Ben Abba Zal. Uh, as I am told, he was a big Machnis Archim. He'd love to have guests and taking care of them, all their needs. He was a very happy and energetic person, someone very lovely and kind with a big smile. I can see that on Mrs. Mansuri, full of that energy coming from her father. So Hashem should bench him to have a very great Aliyah Neshama, the highest, greatest of heights, and he should channel a lot of bracha to the entire Mansuri family for all that they need and all that they want. Simchas, big Simchas, should come to the Mishpacha, and it should all come quickly, the real, real good. Um, since he has his yard site on Mashiach's birthday, Tishwa's Mashiach's birthday, so it's a very powerful day, especially since we're already in the, in the Messianic age, when it's going to be revealed that Tishabah was a big yontif. So it should be a big alias neshama for him. Okay. Now we're going to continue. What we're going to do today is we're going to continue the last part, Hashem's help, of the shir we learned. Last week I interrupted, not interrupt, there's no interruption, but last week we learned something for the parsha, And this week we're going to go back to the to the, to the mimer. This is in Lukuti Torah, Parsha Spinchas, Daf Ayin Zion, page one fifty. Two, it would be then page 153, but there's no number on this side, so it's Ayin Zion. We're holding Siv Gimel. I'm just going to give the Nakuda. As I mentioned to you, this is not an easy mimer. This is a pretty complicated discourse. Um, and, and with Hashem's help, we're going to figure it out. I, uh, it's, it's still pretty uh, blurry to me, but, uh, you know, Hashem will help. In any case, uh, just the main idea we were learning over here is the, the uniqueness. You can listen to the first, the, the, the first two classes are called, um, are called closest. The name of the class is close, the same like this one, actually. Closest and, or farthest, here and now. The question is regarding this world. Is this world closest to God or farthest from God? It's obviously the farthest. The physical world is the farthest level. It's, it, it comes at the very end of a very long chain. The final level of creation is the material physical world. When we say it's low, it's the least conscious of God. Uh, yet, it's the closest. That's the whole idea of what we're learning in the discourse. Why is it the closest? Because only over here do we access God himself. And in, the, in all the higher realms, we, we, we can only access a manifestation of divine powers, of divine qualities, divine energies. But the, 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 the Hashem himself is only access down here. And um, the example would be in the body, would be the difference of the particular powers, like the power of vision, or the power of hearing, or the power of speech, or the power of the intelligence, or the power of art, uh, any, um, the, t- the power to, uh, of drawing, or, or, or things like that. All these individual powers are individual powers. They're not the very you. 
There's something that you possess, a certain power that you have. And, 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 and the way these powers work or these abilities or these qualities of the soul is that each one of these quality resides in a particular container and a particular vessel. And you can't switch that, which means that the eye cannot walk, cannot generate walking, and the legs, your feet, cannot see because everything has its place. can't switch them around. However, beyond all these powers is the very you, the very soul itself. Obviously, the soul is, 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 is the source of all these powers. But in the soul itself, it's indistinguishable between the hearing, the seeing, the, the, in, the intelligence, the power of action, the power of movement. The soul is beyond them all, it includes them all, is above them all. And therefore, in the soul itself, in as much as these powers exist, you can switch them around. Because in the soul, they have they're 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 not limited. They're not uh, they're not uh, definitive. So the same is the uniqueness and the power of this amazing world that we're living in. And that is which we discussed an amazing discussion. This is like three weeks ago, but an amazing discussion about the power of, and also two, uh, also uh, two weeks ago, in which we reviewed it, that only in our world. Can a person be literally in the spiritual abyss? A person can be sucked into the greatest darkness. A person can find themselves in the depth of sin and depravity. depravity. And yet, they can wake up the next morning and turn their life completely around. And turn around and pursue goodness. And become an influence of goodness in the world. Sometimes you meet people that are so amazing. You look at them, they had a terrible past. They were, they were in jail. They were in a state of deep, deep, deep addictions and drug abuse and all kinds of other abuse. And criminal activity. They were part of gangs and so forth. And sometimes the people just with the right mentor, usually it's not to do with the mentor. Obviously it has to do with the tremendous willpower that a person has when they decide to to turn their themselves around and then they themselves can become a beacon of light for other people a beacon of light of inspiration and boy do have a do they have a story to tell and they can inspire people that no one else can inspire because they've seen it all they've been in the depth of darkness and the depth of 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 of, of um of lowly of lowness or whatever you want to call it. Once a soul leaves the body, you can't change. Where you are is where you are. And the example he says, interesting, he says, you know, in heaven, everybody has a certain spot which they fill. There are holy angels in heaven, obviously. There are gazillions of holy angels. There is also dark angels, demonic beings, angels of darkness, angels of violence, agents, agents, uh, angels of, of destruction, destructive forces, satanic forces. And the interesting thing is, the most astonishing thing is that heaven is not a place of concealment. 
in heaven, you know God. So the angels of destruction know Hashem's power, and yet they're destructive angels. They don't ever cross God's God's um, rules because no one is able to violate God's commandments, but they still exist in a very, very evil place. God allows them to exist in that place of darkness, but they can't help themselves. Even though they see the truth and they would understand that it's much better to be in the team of light and the team of goodness and the team of holiness, they can't change themselves. They have no jurisdiction on that because they are designated to be in the dark side. What happens if a soul leaves this world and did not manage to do tshuva, did not manage to do repentance and turn themselves around? Then the person and the, they leave the, and the person leaves this world stained with all the stains or all the unholy garments, all the thoughts and dark aspirations and wants and, and, and negative thoughts and even negative, obviously negative behaviors. So these, all these negative thoughts and behaviors follow a person out of the body. And what's very excruciatingly painful is that while we're in a body, the body can make all these activities at least temporarily satisfactory or temporarily enjoyable. A person can be engaging in very dark stuff and because the body is so dense, we can be, we can be, you know, drinking poison and think that it's, uh, you know, that it's lemonade. Lemonade is lemon, okay. I think it's uh, some other sweet drink, even though it literally is poison because the because of the concealment of the body but in heaven if you have poison you know it's poison and yet you can't stop guzzling it that's the sad part because if a person became attached to this poisonous stuff toxic stuff while they were alive they can't untoxicate up there that does that mean doesn't mean they're doomed forever they need outside help to help them and that outside help comes in a form of an excruciating uh, um, 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 therapies, therapeutic experiences of what's called purgatory and different other treatments that help undo the soul from its entanglement. But the soul doesn't have the ability to free itself at all. However, in this world, doesn't it's it's the person is free to move literally in a minute from the bottom of the ladder to the top of the ladder we can transform ourselves in one minute the power of truth is unbelievable that power of truth is only in this world and the reason for that it has to what we said earlier in the upper realms it's already a world it's already the world that has been already separated good and bad everything is in its place and what element of the divine reveals itself in that world? The powers of God, as we said earlier. All the emanations, all the particular aspects of the divine emanations. And these emanations, the qualities of the divine. So whatever has already fitted itself into be the brain, part of the brain, gets the divine intelligence. Whatever has set itself up to be part of the God's leg gets only the limited light that's in the leg and the bottom, 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 bottom of Hashem's leg of God's, where he's revealing what sometimes is the klipa, the unholy. 
So if a person is 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 has has registered his soul into the klipa, which is at the bottom of the legs, if we look at the, the entire all the worlds together as one body, like it says, it says about the Shekhinah, her feet go down to a place of death. So her feet is dipped in klipa. So if someone is like you know uh, uh, set themselves into that level of no God. How, how do you do that? By a person pursuing in their physical life down here and didn't get a chance to do teshuva before they passed away, didn't repent, and therefore remained leaving this world, holding on to the klipa stuff, all the externalities and the and the outer things instead of. So that's where they stay, unless they get, as we said earlier, uh, a a uh, you know a a external an external treatment that will take them out of it, but it's a long, painful treatment. In our world, you can switch. Why? Because in our world, the beauty of our world is that our world is a place where God himself is accessible, not his emanations. And just like we said earlier, in the soul itself, there isn't the division, there isn't that distinguish, distinguishes, the, the distinctions of the particulars. But there is just one higher energy that includes all the powers. And therefore, in a sense, the eye can hear and the ears can see. And the head, the idea is that there's no head and there is no foot. It transcends all and all the powers are all wrapped up in the in the in a pure, simple, pre-powered existence, predefined existence. So on that level. The lowest and the highest are equal. The God, the highest and the lowest are equal. So because, and so here's the thing. When you're in this physical world, you can latch yourself onto God himself and take a ride in one second from the lowest point of existence, from the darkest point, and, 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 and accelerate with unimaginable speed to the highest peaks of light and of spiritual attainment and of godly attachment. Why? Because only in this world can you catch a ride on God himself. That's the point. And that's tshuva. A tshuva that is available in this world. Why is God himself available in this world? So we learned in the earlier classes, this is another idea, is because this world still needs to be purified. And the power to separate the good from the bad and to purify and to make, to set everything, because you know there was a big mixture that once mixed together by the tree of knowledge, everything got mixed. And the power to separate is only from the transcendental power. The limited power only reveals itself after things are separated already. After the good and the bad are separated, so each one becomes a container for what it is. So what we call the mamalakalam, the indwelling light, which is already every shining in each place, that only manifests once the vessels are finished. The, the, during the duration of the purification process and the separation process, the indwelling limited limited revelations are not yet are not don't have don't have a vessel yet, so they, they they don't manifest. Instead, the higher infinite power is what we access over here to help us separate the good from the bad and to create 
and to create the vessels, so to speak, in our lives. And that's the power of Torah and mitzvahs in this world. Two things, teshuva and Torah and mitzvahs. And we'll see soon. Torah and the mitzvahs, through, through the Torah and through the mitzvahs, and through the tshuva process, the constant repentance that we can do in this world. Well, it was this that we say that in our world we can, we can, we can, we can access God himself, but we need to access it through something in this world. The sages say, Yafesh Ha'achas, it is better one hour being alive in this world than all the revelations of the world to come. Because all the revelations in the higher realms are all only from the emanations. Here you have God himself. So that is regarding all, all of Torah and in all of mitzvahs. All the 613 commandments and in the study of Torah. And primarily in the experience of tshuva. Tshuva is the repentance. The cry of the soul. God, I feel distant. I want to come close. In that cry, that's when you're jolting God himself. Accessing him and revealing him down here. And enabling you then through Torah and mitzvahs to, to do the process of purification, of separation. Now, um, as we discussed in the class two weeks ago, these are just a few ideas that we need to still bring as an introduction. This this all-encompassing energy, this all the state of the soul itself prior to its def- definitions, is called the masculine light. The Soviet Kalama, the encompassing light, is more of a masculine level. The indwelling aspect of godliness that fits the vessels the energy that fits the vessels that's the feminine dimension in kabbalistic terminology it's the energies of two names of god one is called ma 45 that's the soviv kalaman light and that's the energy of torah through tshuva and torah we access the ma light the, the masculine light that's available to help the feminine energy, the individual particularized energy for each particular container is feminine because woman is more related to vessel to container. And that's why we see it's the nature of women that they are far better at organizing. They're far better at differentiating this belongs here, this belongs there, this belongs. And men, things are far more a masculine type of soul, a masculine being, and a male energy is far more the general idea, the general concept, the general idea. But the and like you see with the creation of a child as well, the very formation of a human is that the man gives the the concept of the child, the woman brings out the details. So the quality of this scene. So according to this, what would come out of like this. In all the spiritual realms above, it's the feminine light that shines in each level. And that's why it's called Ziv Hashchina. It's the ray of the Shekhinah. Shekhinah is Malchut. Malchus is feminine. And that's what shines in Ganeden. It shines in all the levels of paradise, in all the spiritual worlds, wherever the souls are. And then there is the Shekhinah's feet, as we discussed earlier, where the Klippas are, where, the, where, the, uh, where all, the, all the dark stuff are. Down here below, we get the transcendental masculine light, 
male light of Torah, which is called the Chachma, the power of Birur, and Chachma is Koach Ma, the power of 45. The Chachma of Torah is what helps us do the Birur down here in this world. So in order to activate this amazing power and to bring the masculine light into this world, down here in the world, so we should be able to do tshuva and finish up the last bit of beer. One of the ideas that we learned in the earlier class was that the process of purification really ran through all the worlds already. Remember, we learned that in the process of creation, the ma energy passed through every rung of existence and it purified in every realm. It did already its purification because the mixture didn't only start down here. The mixture started on the deepest sublime levels. There was already a mixture of of just a big mishmash. And the energy of the masculine energy began, and it separated. Remember, we spoke about this. The purest of the pure. Remember, we spoke about the blueberries. That was the example I gave. Now, when you're taking a thing of blueberries, first you pick the nice tart ones, and and then and those are your first pick. And then you might close the box and say, I don't want this anymore. You put it in the refrigerator, and then you go back to it, and you say, you know what? A few hours later, you know, you can use, a, you want a few more blueberries, you'll open it up, and you're feeling around and the blueberries that didn't pass your first test because you still had a fresh pack are now suddenly good again. You know, it's a second grade. So that's the idea. Whatever was able to enter into the highest realms to become a container and a vessel for the highest lights was first purified. Whatever went, up, went down lower, then, and then that's how you make your way through the blueberries and that's how God made his way. And then the dregs of the dregs fall into the physical world. But there's still redeemable elements in this world. There's still redeemable elements which can make the physical world into a vessel and a container for God. But we have to separate the good from the bad. In order to affect that separation, we can access, we have to draw down the masculine light, the Soviv Kalaman energy, which is what we refer to as God himself, into the into this world. And we do that in Torah and in mitzvahs. Okay, so this is basically what we learned in the past. Now we're going to see something really, really cool. That the main, even though we do this through all the mitzvot and all the commandments, the main commandment or the main mitzvah that is considered the most general mitzvah of all the mitzvot, at least as it's discussed in this discourse, which symbolizes this entire process of the unification of the masculine infinite, transcendental, all-inclusive energy of God himself to reside and to come down. And as again, we said, we can only attract him primarily here in the physical and only in the physical, right? Not just primarily, but only in the physical to cause this descent of Hashem into this world. Um, it's We do it through all the mitzvot, but primarily it's the mitzvah of the karbanot, the sacrifices in the temple. And that's why we yearn for the temple because the connection of we ha- that that is now between and God and the world and its manifestation is so 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 much weaker because we don't have a temple and we can't offer up the sacrifices. Um, the service in the temple was holy, holy, holy beyond holy, and its effects that it had on the world. For some reason this had is bothering me the position where it is in the camp. So the the its effects that it had were beyond cosmic. So what we're going to do now for a moment is we're going to go to the to the pasuk 
the verse that, that this whole discourse is based on, it's a Pasuk and Parshas Pinachas, but we say it in our daily prayer every day. And it reads like this, This is in Numbers 28. In Bamidbar 28. It says, God spoke to Moshe. Command the children of Israel. And say to them, Lachmi. Now you're going to see, or you're going to learn from here now, if from these verses that we're going to read, is that when you read scripture, when you read Chumash, when you read a Pasuk, a verse in the Torah, we have absolutely no clue what it's talking about. <laughs> we have no clue. There is so much meaning and such incredible, godly, cosmic, divine meaning to every word that it's frightening. So we're learning, we read it, and we think we're... I always get excited about the Bible critics. The, the really, really, really smart people. In any case, <laughs> this is a divine document and the secrets that are here. And it's, it's amazing that we have the Alter Rebbe, Roshnir Zalman of Liadi, who's able to like open up the heavenly interpretation of these verses. What does it mean from looking through God's eyes, not through our little puny little pipsqueak eyes. We get a little taste of heaven. We get a little taste of the Torah we're going to be studying after the when Mashiach is here teaching us Torah. So here it says like this. Command the children of Israel. Hashem speaks to Moshe. Command the children of Israel and say to them, you'll soon see them. The mind-blowing meaning of those just those words. Who is Moshe? What does it mean Moshe should command? Simply, there's a man called Moses. Speak to the people of Israel. The most simplest thing. We read it all the time. No, 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 no. To know what he's saying, really, we're going to have to fasten our seatbelts and understand. What does this, what are we talking about? In these verses, it's discussing the entire attachment of heaven and earth. Not even of heaven and earth. Of God Himself to 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 flow into the entire cosmic order, and obviously, and who act, and that process how it works. This is the nucleus of all the mitzvot, and all the mitzvot and every mitzvah this and every commandment. This is this happens in an individual way, but in sacrifices it takes place in the most collective, in the most uh, um, general way. So. Command the ch- children of Israel, say to them, as Karboni, I, I, I can't even say these words anymore, like just even, even superficially, like that. I, I want to just, I just want to, because the amount of depth that there is in just this word, as Karboni, my, my sacrifice. The literal meaning is my sacrifice. Okay. <laughs> My excitement is oozing out, so I can't control myself. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give it away now. I'm not. I'm controlling myself. I am so tempted. I'm so tempted to to, to blow the cover of of every word over here, but I have to control myself. So I'm gonna try to read it just the simple meaning. God is saying 
on the simplest of levels. You know, make me a barbecue in the morning, make me a barbecue in the evening. Kill me a lamb in the morning, kill me a sheep in the afternoon, throw it on the barbecue, and it's great. And people look around and say, hey, that is so cruel. You're killing sheep, blood, service of God. What are you doing? What are the animals at fault? And so on and so forth. That's the simple meaning. God is saying, bring me my sacrifice, my daily sacrifice. Lachmi, it's my bread. Leisha, it's to my fire. My sacrifice, my bread, to my fire. Simply meaning, you're throwing it onto my fire. In the temple, there was a fire. and That's my fire. So bring me, bring me my bread. Bring me my breakfast. It's a pleasant aroma. I love the smell and the fragrance of burning flesh of lamb. God says, makes me feel so amazingly happy. Tishmeru, you should guard. I hope no one shuts the YouTube now. I hope you stay with me another two hours because that's not what I'm what I want to say. I just want to say how silly the Torah sounds if you're not opening it up on a much deeper level. So Hashem is saying, guard for me, make sure, lahakrivli, to bring this to me, bimo ado in its time. That means I don't want you to come 9.15. I want my breakfast 6.30 in the morning. Don't come 7.30. On its time. Bring me my morning sacrifice. And you should say to them, Zeha Isha, this is the this is the fire, fire offering. This is the sacrifice. So far he didn't say what it is. He just said, I, I mentioned it, but he said, My bread to my fire, a pleasant smell, fine. But now he tells you what it is. What does he want? Sheep, and they have to be baby sheep. I have to be, I only like my meats nice and tender, God said. You know, once the animal is already a year old, it's getting tough. I want a baby, a baby lamb. To me, it should be complete without a blemish. Two of them every day. A, a burnt offering. God says, this is, I love it so much. I'm not sharing it with anybody. The priests are not getting any part of my lamb. <laughs> it's a burnt offering. The whole thing is for me. One sheep should be done in the morning. And the second sheep, you should offer up in the afternoon. And then, along with that, Hashem says, you know, bake me up a nice little roll, a little, a little, you know, I want it with a burger bun. I want, I want a sandwich. So put me a little flour for a burnt, for a meal offering, mix in a little bit of oil. And then add a little cup of wine and I'll be happy, God says. That's all I'm asking for you. Daily sacrifice, morning and evening. That's the verse. Now we're going to unlock it. Now we're going to unlock the whole, the, the, all these passages and take a look at the inside story. What does this really mean? What is this, what is this barbecue that God wants in the morning and he wants in the evening? point over here is like this you know what God is saying God is saying flirt with me 
excite me, draw me down, get me excited. I want to be in a relationship with you. He doesn't come and engage the infinite, as we spoke earlier, the very, very transcendental masculine male aspect of the divine, which is, as we said earlier, the 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 general state of the infinite being prior to its emanations, which is the, the masculine dimension says, I'm not going to reside in this world unless in the beginning when God created, he got involved on his own because there was no one there to stimulate. No one there to, to, to excite him, to draw him. But now God wants that we should draw him. He doesn't want to initiate. All the mitzvot we do are part of this. The 613 commandments and the Torah are all part of this process to attract the divine downwards, to channel God into the world. But most important from all of them were the sacrifices. And let me just tell you just very briefly, because when in a sacrifice you saw that the nature of a sacrifice was the bonding of God with the creation. Because in a sacrifice you're actually taking a piece of this world and you're throwing it up to God. That's what you're doing. You're taking a piece of creation and offering it up. And God is descending to receive it. So this 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 con- now every mitzvah that's really to what you're doing but when you're giving charity you don't necessarily see that that you're engaging god you're just a good person you're giving kindness you're, you're helping people it's a nice thing to do you're studying torah you're filling yourself with a lot of wisdom right? you think about it deeper you understand that the torah is god's wisdom you're putting it to fill in you whatever it is that you're doing you don't really see in a very in a very real way that here we have the attachment the bonding taking place in the car in the carbon, you find it. Now there's another element. This is all a romance with God. Romance is built on passion, and passion is built on fire. A fi- uh, the relationship between a husband and a wife, between a man and a woman, is a fiery relationship. It's 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 supposed to be passionate. It's supposed to be there's supposed to be that that fire. And the fire, we that element now sacrifices evolved fire. Now it evolved fire because it was the, the animals were burnt on a fire. That's why it involved the fire. But it's even more than that. Animals themselves represent the fire in the world. Because animals are fire. Stones, inanimate. The, uh, I'm sorry. Um, there are the inanimate elements of this world called the domain. There are four four categories of of, of entities and make up the physical planet. There is domain, the inanimate stones, rocks, water, whatever. There's semeach, there is plant. There is chai, there is animal. There is medaber, there is the human. Now, these four correspond to the four elements. Earth, water, fire, and wind. 
the primary element of an inanimate object, like like stone, earth. Now, I know part of the inanimate is water, but the concept of inanimate is primarily related to earth, because from the four elements, the earth is the heaviest and the densest. So the domain, all elements in the world that are inanimate, correspond to that to the to to earth. Now, vegetation, plant life. What's the most important element in plant life? Moisture, wetness, water. Water makes everything grow. So water is the 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 makeup of all vegetation. Chai, animal. Animal is a animals are passionate. They're emotional beings. They're driven by passion. They're driven by fire. They're and that's why they have anger, wrath, ripping animals. You watch the job. It's, it's a fiery situation. When animals get excited, the, 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 they're, they're electric. They move so much quicker than humans. Humans are slower. Humans are, animal charges with enormous speed. With enormous, when they fight at each other, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, it's a wild. Into the, the, the jungle, the, 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 the the animal world is a world of the, is a real wild world with like fire. And human is wind. Say well, that's where the human talks. Speech is primarily through through the power of wind. So if in our relationship with God, we need to attract him like a woman attracting a man, we attract with our fire. That's why which part of the world do we elevate and and send up to create the spark of the relationship? We take the animal because the animal is the fire element in the world and we use that to spark. And the fire below turns on God's fire. Men and women are called Ish and Isha. Isha means woman and man is called Ish. They both have the word fire in them even though i said earlier that animal is fire true and man is and human is called spirit but in the context of the relationship of man of a man and a woman in that element we're emphasizing even in the human the fire element not not the wind element the fire element because it's the fire element in our in which is it's the animal element within our human experience which is the responsible for for the fire between a man and a woman so the the uh the word in hebrew then for ish and isha men and woman are both ish ish is fire but there is a difference there is ish yud ish man is ish yud a fire the letter the word ish with a yud which means masculine fire, because Yud is a masculine letter. And the, the, the woman's fire is called Esh Hey. The woman's fire is the Esh of the Hey. Because Hey is a feminine letter. So we know in God's name, all the females in God's name, all the, all the feminine energy in God's name, the spherot that are feminine, are the two haze, Bina and Malchus are the two haze. The masculine lights are the Yud and the Vav 
even a vav, is very much a yud. It's just an extended yud. So masculine energy is yud and vav. Feminine energy are the two hays. So the act of a korban is a stimulator to stimulate and draw God's attention down. Which as we said before, world but the importance of the sacrifice is at the center of it so now let's read based on all this information that we just discussed let's read how this works and how we translate every word of that pasuk of the verse that we just said how this is all going to discuss the 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 uh, internal element of this whole Now, let, let me just add one more thing. Bringing Hashem down from the Sovev into the Mamale, which is really mean, unifying the masculine and the feminine, which mystically is referred to as the unification of Ma, 45, and Bam, 52. 52 is the definitive aspects of the divine that dwell within the vessels. And the more encompassing light, which is Ma, and we want to unify the two. Since the vessels are made in a way, just like the human body, it's made in a way where there's the right side, the left side, and the middle. So this achievement of drawing God down into the world comes through the right, the middle, sorry, the right, the left, and center. Not because God has right, left, and center, but because the creation is set up with right, left, and center. That's why we know in mitzvahs, the sages say that the world stands on three pillars. Torah, which is the center. Avoda, which is sacrifices, which is the left. And Gemilat Chasadim, which means acts of charity and kindness, which is on the right side. That is right, uh, left, and center. So he's going to show that in the sacrifices itself, in the Avoda of Kurban itself, in the sacrifice, because the sacrifice we said includes the whole general drawing of God down in the world when we had when we had the and that's why Shabbos in the morning we're giving a class over and we're learning how with the sacrifices in the temple there were three groups of Jews. There were the Kohanim, these are the ones who actually did the priests, they're the ones who did the service. They offered the, the, the animals, they did the sprinkling of the blood and the the, the whole avoda was done through the Kohanim. You had the Levites, they were the ones who were singing, or the Levites. And then they had Israelites, and they were just there to pray, assist spiritually in the in the service. Kohanim and, and, and these three groups are right, left, and center. So he's now going to show how with the carbon, the it 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 kind of is going to this intimacy with and enters from the Soviet completely soviv, from the completely encompassing energy, and lowers himself down into, into the creation, has a right side to it, a left side to it, and a center side to it. All hinted to in this verse. I'm going to give you right now. God says, I'm going to make a little introduction. Um, 
It's from the actual verse that I mentioned earlier. I'm, I'm, it's going to be much easier if I if I give you a little bit earlier. Before I read it inside, I'll give you a little bit preview. Speak. We're going to leave that verse out. We're going to get to that later. Command the children of Israel and say to them. That's, that's really cool. That comes later. But let's start with the next words. God is saying, Eskarbani. Simply it means my sacrifice. As I said earlier, throw me an animal. You know, but what's the deeper meaning? Eskarbani means, karba means closeness. From the word karov, closeness. Eskarbani means me coming close. God is saying, Please draw me close. God is asking us. You can learn it as he's giving us an opportunity. But I like better learning God is asking us. I need a wife. I I want a relationship. I'm seeking a relationship. Eskarboni. Be makarivmi. Draw me close to you. How do you draw me close? Number one, it's through the Torah. The Torah is, in the Torah I will dwell. God dwells in the Torah and via the Torah to the world. The word S, which seems to be the most insignificant word in the entire sentence. S karboni generally means almost like the or you know, S S is such a seemingly superfluous word, such a non-important word that doesn't even in this sentence it doesn't even have a it sometimes you would say S is the, but here you can't say it's the because karbani means my sacrifice. So you can't read the my sacrifice. So the S is almost like a non-word here. And yet the S is so crucial. Because you know what the S is? S is made up of two letters, Aleph and Tuf. Aleph is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And Tuf is the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet, the 22 letters. Aleph is the first and Tuf is the last. So the word S is referring to the entire Torah, which are the 22 letters in which the Torah is made out of. And God is saying, I am enclosed in in these letters. The letters of Torah are are the first recipients, which through them, karboni, you are are mekarev me, you are drawing me down to you. This is, what, what is going to be accomplished is, S, it's the 22 letters of the Torah, which... That's the entire Torah in general. Karboni, which these letters allow me to come near to you. Now, he says three things. Lachmi, my bread. Le'ishai, for my fire. Re'achni, choichi, a pleasant smell. Or a pleasant fragrance. A pleasant aroma. What are these three things? My bread my fire, and my pleasant aroma or satisfactory aroma 
or an aroma, a fragrance, let's translate reach, a fragrance, that is satisfactory to me, that, that, that is very pleasant to me. So what are these, what does this say? So my bread, all three are the same thing. They're all very different, but they all bring out the same thing. They are actually the process of the attachment of God to the world. The attachment of the infinite to the creation and primarily to the human being down here in the physical world, which as we said is happening through the sacrifices. But in order to come to make, it connects to the, to the right center and middle. So bread represents a ready attachment, a flow of the divine into the vessels. We'll see why it has to do with bread. But it's the flow of the divine into the vessels of the right side, the chesed side. Le'ishai, fire, is the attachment of my fire to your fire, as we're soon going to see. Again, an attachment, a connection, a magnetic pull, an unbelievable attachment. Like, a, imagine this incredible uh, um, force. That, that's like a like a like a magnetic pull that pulls together the two fires, God's fire and our fire. That's Leishai the fire, but that's on the left side because fire is on the left. Reach nichoichi, the pleasant, the, the 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 fragrance that is satisfactory to me is again an attachment. Again, the bread is an attachment, the fire is an attachment. Reach Nichochi is also an attachment. But Reach Nichochi, the fragrance of satisfaction, is the deepest attachment. That's the middle, center attachment. Let me retranslate that a little stronger. The right hand, the right side, is the initial love. The initial love, the initial excitement from one to each other, just an initial, initial closeness. Le'ishai, the fire element, is the, flir- the, 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 the requirement for us to flirt with God, spiritually, obviously. It's the flirtation that creates within God a fire to want to be close to us. The pleasant aroma is the deepest actual intimacy between God and the soul and the creation down here below. Corresponding to a human being, when you are in a state of intimacy and love with someone, you might first reach for for your wife or for the one who you love with your right hand. Then you'll reach out and hug her and embrace with the left hand. And only after that is the coming together completely of, of, of husband and wife. So it's right, then left, then center. Left is very important as we're going to see soon because that's where the real fire element over here that takes place. But it's all a preparation for the reach nichoichi for the pleasant Fragrance, which represents in our cosmic connection with God as that intimacy between Hashem and the world. All of this is taking place when we're offering a sacrifice.
do now let's go a little deeper. Bread. What does bread have to do with anything? We all know that in order to keep ourselves energetic and alive, obviously, we don't eat at all, God forbid, person will die. Without food, you can't live. But even if you're you eat, but you're eating very, very sparsely, and as you go many, many days fasting and not eating, what happens? Even if the soul is barely attached to the body, but it's exactly that. It's only barely attached. And the person feels a deep, deep inner lethargicness and tiredness and weakness. And obviously, if you have to lift something up or do heavy labor, you can't do it. Your power of action, even though you're essentially a strong person, if you haven't eaten from days, you don't have the energy. We're learning by the destruction of the temple, the Romans starved the city. This is this week. They starved the city. And literally, there was, and it was also the fault of the Jewish people in the city because you know, the, 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 the rabbis felt that the Jews should not go fight the Romans. That they wouldn't, they wouldn't, they wouldn't be successful. They, the rabbis are in tune with with God's the higher the higher realms, and they knew from God's side that the Jews would not are not meant to win this battle. And they tried to convince the Jews to surrender to the Romans, and then the Romans would have left the city intact. Um, probably similar the example would be that if the Ukrainian Ukrainians would just surrender to Putin and just let him. Take the tents, then you know the cities in Ukraine would not be, you know, not not. I, I'm not saying over here Putin is right. That's, I'm just saying the fact. If if Zelensky would have, uh, you know, um, uh, caved in to, to Putin, then you know there would have been less buildings crushed. The rabbis at that time felt that what we should do is give in to the Romans, but there were many Jews who were like fighters and they didn't want to listen to the rabbi. And there was actually a lot of food. There were a couple of very rich people that the the sages tell us that had enough food to feed feed all the people in Jerusalem for 22 years. Imagine that. They could have held out. But because these thugs, they were literally Jewish thugs who wanted to fight, but they knew that as long as there's food, people won't be forced to fight. So they went and they burnt down all the three storages. One guy had stored wood, the other one stored wheat, an enormous amount. Everything got burnt down. So now the people had no choice but to go out and fight. And people were fighting. And it was a very heroic, and, and the Jews were fighting heroically, amazingly. If you'll read what Josephus writes, he was there and he's writing how the Romans couldn't, couldn't, couldn't get a grip on them. They were like incredible. But they started taking the toll because they were starving. It says that the Romans, the Roman general, somehow saw the tested the tested the uh, excrements of the Jewish fighters when they maybe they came out of the city. I don't know whatever. And he said, "There's no nutrition there. There's not. I don't know how we tested it. What kind of science they had then?" And he said, "There's no wheat. There's no because they would do is they would take they all they had was straw." And they would soak the straw and a little bit of whatever, of uh, which was, was in the straw, went into the water and they drank the water. That was their nutrition. After a while, they were becoming weakened and weakened. They couldn't fight. We understand from the, And then, obviously, you know, the Romans were able to come in and the people were like, 
had no ability to fight back. But this is all why am I saying this? I can say it because this week is Tisha B'Av. We talk about the destruction of the temple, but the concept that we're learning now is that um, when you don't eat, you become weak. Definitely your mind doesn't work and your higher powers don't work and everything gets like kind of shut down. And what happens when you get served the meal, especially after you haven't eaten for, for, for a day or so, you know, Tisha B'Av, we fast after Tisha B'Av, like, you feel, and you have your first bite of food and you're like, Suddenly you start feeling literally how your strength starts coming back to you. Slowly you start your sin. So what does that mean? That without food, the soul departs from the body. That means that the energy and the vessels part from each other. Energy is the soul. The containers is the body. Food part. Food, what does food do? It connects the energy to the containers, the vessels. So what are we talking about over here now? God then is the cosmic soul, the infinite light. The, the, the creations, when we say creations, I don't mean only the physical. Physical is the last stage. But even the spiritual worlds and even higher, 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 even if you go all the way up to the sphere of the attributes, they are considered just a body. As it says in Pasach Gufen Tkinas that this is a body. It's considered a body. So for the divine to dwell in the thing, in the end of the containers is like a soul going into the body. What does it need? It needs food. So God says to us, you are providing me with my bread. You are providing me with my bread. But that's not enough, God says. That's like a connection. I'm connecting to the world. I want more than that. I want you to flirt with me. I want you to really fire me up. I want you to create in me a desire for you, a passion for you, a fire for you, that I should want to really like, become one with you, completely uh, um, 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 permeate you with my entire being. And that's why he's saying, Le'ishai, fire me up with your fire. And as a result of that, we will achieve the last part of the sacrifice. So in bread, we see there's two parts to the bread. You eat, you eat the food, the person eats the food, and then the soul comes down. So there is the food. The eating of the food is more like a process of upward. It's strength. When you're eating food, the soul is not eating the food. The body is eating the food. Yet when the body strengthens itself, the soul descends. So in the, in the eating, you have this connection of Elevation of the body, the body's getting stronger, more blood, and that's allowing the soul to settle. In the fire element, you also have two the two elements. Because in fire, we're saying, oh, it's like the fire between a man and a woman. The woman will flirt with the man, and her flirtatious, whatever she does, will create that the man will have a fire for her. So there's also a two elements over here. And our connection with God is also, there is the sparking of us to stimulate within God a fire. And then reach nichoichi is the way smell works, fragrance works, is we sit. When you're, when you're cooking something or you're something that has, or barbecuing something, the, the fragrance goes up. Oh, now let, let's talk a minute about fragrance. The power of, of, of smell, which is relates to the concept of the intimacy. 
Why? We said before food, food engages the soul with the body. When you're, when you're, um, when you, when you have, um, when you eat, you become strong. But when you smell something and it has a very intense, pleasant fragrance, what does it do? It wakes you up. It really pulls you in. That means, what does that mean? A deeper level of your being engages in your body from a, when you, which we find interesting. You find that food only works to keep body and soul together if the soul didn't yet disconnect. The person is still conscious. If there's a weakening in the attachment of the soul and the body, you eat a sandwich, you eat a salad, you eat, I don't know, whatever it is, you 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 come awake. Now you're you're you're, you're strong, I mean. But what happens when a person faints? And fainting means that you you know you're you 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 become unconscious. And what happens then? It means that the soul has already disconnected from the body. It's almost like on the way out. And they would take strong smelling salts or some fragrance and give a person to smell and that would bring them back. That means that smell, fragrance, goes up very, very deep, even to a place that is more distant than far and can pull down from a higher place. That's if a person fainted. Now what happens didn't faint? But you smell something, what does it do to you? It enhances all your powers, which means if you had, you know, your mind was here, but it was like, and you have something that smells good. Now your mind is like really like fully awake. Other parts. I'll give you the perfect example for that. What does caffeine do to us? Caffeine is the perfect example. When you're drinking coffee in the morning, you woke up, you're going to have breakfast, but what do you need a coffee? Part of, of coffee, and today especially people became already spoiled because everybody has the ability to have, you know, it used to be like yeah, when I was growing up, we all drank the, just the instant coffee and terrible instant coffee. Now we all have our, our, our Starbucks and our whatever, and we have our ability to make the best coffees at home with our coffee, fancy coffee machines. And you just do it, and what does it do? It gives you that, ah, it wakes you up. Why does it wake you up? The main thing in the coffee, I think, is the, is the wake up and smell the coffee. When you're drinking coffee, so much of it is the aroma of it. Because the aroma goes very deep and it draws you down. What does it mean? Smell reaches into the soul to a deeper place, a higher, more expansive, a more, a more inner dimension of the soul and draws that as well into the body. That's similar to the concept of an intimacy. Because an intimacy is when a person opens up to his and her, to his spouse from the very depth of his inner being. He's fully there and therefore he's replicating himself. He's taking all the substance of his essence and creating a child. It's the same idea like in smell. And that's why perfumes and fragrances are very powerful to evoke and awaken a uh, uh, and 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 be stimulative for a intimacy between a man and a woman because of its power.
So let me put it like this. The way the engagement will work, right, left, and middle. Right is a connection, bread. Left is already fire. And middle is the ultimate total oneness of him and her. So to translate that, it would mean something like this. A wife calls her husband and she says, dinner is ready. What brings the man home? He knows there's dinner. He knows he's got, you know, chicken, potatoes, soup, I don't know, whatever she made for him. Her dinner brings her home. He walks through the door. She does, she's not cooking for him. He's not home. He's staying in the office. He's busy. She tells him the food is ready. <laughs> what is everybody? Food is ready. Food is ready. He, he comes. Once she's sitting with him in dinner, if she wants an intimacy, so here she has to do something that will not, he's busy, whatever. He's got a head full of headaches that he has. She's interested in, 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 in an intimacy with him. I'm not always putting it on the woman. The reason I'm putting it right now on the woman is just because this is the context of the of the discourse. So the woman is home. She cooks dinner. She brings him home. Now she has him at the table. Now he's there. So now she'll have to do something to spark his interest, to catch his attention. She'll dress special. She'll wear makeup. She'll, 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 she'll flirt with him. And her way of flirting will get his attention. Once that, then eventually, you know, the romance will, will lead them to, to, to an intimacy. And this is literally, how would I have ever thought that when you're saying the Parsha of Karbonus in the morning, we're talking about this, this incredible situation where God is saying, first give me a plate of food. Give me food. Tell me dinner is ready. I'm coming. There's no dinner for me. I'm not coming. God says, first prepare me a, prepare me a plate. Lach me, my bread. You got that? God says, bread is good. I want a little romance here. Fire up the thing. Get Leishai. Get my fire going. Your fire will stimulate my fire. Now that we have the fire, then Then through the fragrance, there will be my descent completely. The masculine infinite light will descend into the physical human being down here below for an ultimate union with God. We're going to see how we go through these phases in prayer itself. We have these three phases. Pretty awesome. Okay, so now let's read it inside. Now behold, there isn't a drop coming down from above. That means in order to draw the masculine light from above, it doesn't happen, which doesn't have two drops coming up from below. This concept means that God doesn't want to initiate. He wants us to draw him down. He, he, he. So he doesn't deliver unless we, we call for him. And that means that there's, sages say regarding rain, that in order for a rain, every raindrop that comes down has first two drops of moisture going up. As we know, the cycle of the way water works is that the, the sun heats up the, the, the water and creates a vapor. The vapor rises, forms the clouds, the moisture in the air, and that comes down. As, so the sages say, interesting, twice as much has to go up for what comes down. 
So what does that mean in our relationship with God? God wants two drops from us before he will deliver. Now, obviously, his one drop is infinitely bigger than our two drops, but he still wants something from us. So, and, and what are the two drops that the sages are saying? One drop is your love, and the other drop is your fear. The chesed and the gavura from us, our kindness, which is our love, our gavura, our severity, our power of discipline and strength that's in our soul, which is our fear of God. So when we wake up in the morning and we begin to stimulate within ourselves a certain sense of awe of the creator and a certain draw, we want to draw close to him. That's These are our two drops that we're sending upward that's going to draw God down. These five gavurais, which is general and represents the 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 energy of upward energy coming from us these are i don't know what he these are five times fire now what exactly are the five in them i'm not sure again there's a lot of cryptic elements over here that i haven't seen in, in the commentaries which means in the other maimarim they don't explain the a lot of these details so but what is it this is us being a woman and what's woman mean? Woman comes from the word Isha, fire. Isha, Isha is fire. But see, in when the Torah talks about sacrifices, God calls the, the sacrifices an Isha, a fire. But what it really can also be read is Isha, a woman. And what it really means is God says, I want your fire. And our fire comes to God in two ways. When the temple stood, it came through offering an actual piece of fire. We brought an animal up as a sacrifice. But along with that animal that we offered up came along the spiritual fire in the souls of those that were bringing the sacrifice. When you went into the temple, you couldn't help but be inspired and suddenly felt a gush of emotions, a pull, a fire, a, a desire, a pull towards spirituality. That's your fire in your soul. That's the animal inside of you that is now rising upward with passion to God. When there is no temple, we can't offer the physical animal. So we only can do the spiritual part of it. Now, there is something more potent when it's in the physical, as we're going to see later. Because ultimately, the physical world counts the most. That's why it's important not just to have the spiritual concept of, an, of sacrifices. We have to literally have a temple to do so. In Jerusalem, hopefully, by this Tisha B'av, we're going to have it back already. There has to be there has to be fire. The fire coming from below. Why does there have to be a fire coming from below? Because the Zohar says that only when we when we present a spirit from below, it draws down a spirit from above. God reciprocates to our. When we love him, he loves us. He always loves us, but he reveals his love to us. When we reveal our, a little bit of love to him, draws forth a tremendous love from him. Now, particularly when we say fire, I mentioned earlier, there's three parts. There's the right and the left. But in general, since he's talking about the ascent now, he's focusing more on the left side, which is the fire. 
which it says, that his left hand is under my head. Now let's understand this. When our little bit of fire goes up from our heart with a yearning to God, or when we're offering the animal and the animal is rising, it it stimulates, as we said earlier, the, the the female's fire awakens the man's fire. Now in the chariot above, in the highest spheres above, there is there was the, there was the throne of God, and on the right side there was a lion, an image of a lion, and the left side is an image of an ox. So, our fire that stimulates from from below rises upward and creates in, in sparks because we are attached to those angelic beings above. When we spark our fire below, it creates the angel, the ox, the supernal ox to go on fire above because it's on the left side, which is the fiery side. And in addition to that, it reaches all the way, all the way up to the person, to the being who's above the ox, which is Hashem himself or the Shekhinah, and the left side of the Shekhinah, which is her fire, or even higher to the level of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which is the male, this is really the target, is the masculine element of God, reaching his left side, his fire, and our fire stokes his fire. And what does that mean? When we're seeking to cleave to God with our human fire of our heart, God stretches his left hand out to us. And that's what it says in the verse, in the Song of Songs, he stretches his left hand out of us and, and he puts it beneath our head. The idea of God putting it beneath our head means like a, like a man sticking his hand, hand around his wife's head to pull her close to him. Which means like this, when we pray and when we pray the right way, so we're not just, we're not, we, we merit something amazing. We're not only being fueled by the love of our own soul to God. At a certain point, we, we, if we merit, God extends his fire to us and he pulls us into him. Now, obviously, once that happens, the experience of the intensity of that love and that burning passion and fire suddenly becomes exponentially stronger because we're no more operating from a creation state. We are entering into a divine fire. Now, this was exactly seen with our physical eyes in the temple because in the temple, they put an animal onto the fire and a fire came down from above and it consumed that fire. So the fire was literally, now, it doesn't mean that every day fires came down from heaven. What it means is that when Solomon built the, te- the temple, a fire fell down from the sky, and it actually during the entire first temple spirit, uh, um, and it was in a, it was in the image of a lion, and for the entire duration of the temple, that fire never extinguished for four hundred and years. We didn't merit that in the second temple, but in concept, it was still there. The fire from below, spiritually. We the first temple we were able to see it with a physical fire. Second temple we couldn't see the fire from above, but spiritually it was there. Our fire caused his fire, 
and his fire is his God's left hand, because the left left is the fiery side, is reaching under our head. So as he says, his left hand comes and holds our head. The face of the ox that's on the left side. That is what lifts up the ensemble of Jewish souls. Because this happens individually, as an individual, individual soul. But primarily this happens to the collective consciousness of all of Israel who make up the one soul, the wife of Hashem. Makar Nishmas Yisrael, the source of the of all souls, Omenasa, and he lifts her up, Tachas Lerashi. In addition to this being an individual process for each one individually, this also happens with the Shekhinah. The Shekhinah is the mother of all souls, but that's the feminine side of God. She's the soul of creation. While we pray, she's also praying. And in her longing for God, it causes HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which is the masculine light, to stretch down his left hand and take the Shekhinah with his left hand and draw her close to him. When the Shekhinah, which is the mother of all of our souls, which is the mother of all of our consciousness, gets pulled closer to God, obviously that has ripple effects in all levels of existence to create a much greater drawing near of all of creation to Hashem and a greater love. And all of this happens through the power of the Gevura, which is the left side, which is on the left. And what that causes is that the soul becomes very, very fired up with a yearning and a, and a burning yearning for spirituality, a burning yearning for connection to Hashem. But he's now going to explain why is that not... The left side is not yet the intimacy. It's just the embrace. It's the pre-intimacy. We said earlier, Starts with a good meal. Then it becomes romantic. It becomes it becomes already the passion between him and her are already turned on. And then is the intimacy. So the it, so the fire, which means in your passion, you're not yet connecting. The reason you're not you're connecting, but you're not yet one. The mere fact that your passion, which means when someone feels a burning desire to be intimate, let's say, with their spouse or something like that, that's before they're one. Once they're one, they're one. The fire happens before the intimacy, really. And So what does it mean, intimacy with God? Intimacy with God, just like the intimacy between a, a husband and a wife, means that he, that the, 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 the two become one, which means that she receives him. And in our case, that means that we receive, we are open to allow God to reveal himself inside of us. Now, what happens when God reveals himself inside of us? What that does us, we melt into him and we become totally, we enter into a state of, of nothingness. The nothingness means we transcend the limitations and the boundaries which make up our form spiritual psychological form which make us who we are and at that moment we are completely lost in the greater truth of god's oneness and to and and and, and infinity
So as long as you're still feeling a drive and a desire, your means you're still on the outside. You have not yet achieved total union. Because the union, at the moment of union, you can't feel fire. Because you're feeling fire means you're still feeling yourself. I want, I, 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 I want you, I need you. But it's I need you, it's still a need of self. And still of consciousness of self. So imagine experiencing this with God, where you lose yourself completely in God. That's the moment of the intimacy. And that's what he's saying. But without the fire, you're never going to have the intimacy. So therefore, after there is the fire, that will lead to the bitl, which that state of intimacy, that's already the center. That's no more the left side. That's already, we said before, the, pr- the pleasant smell. That's beyond the fire. Because by, Eli- by Leo Anavi, by Elijah the prophet, it discuss- discusses that there was a rash. There was a great earthquake, a great uh, sound, rather, a great commotion. And after the commotion, there was a fire. And after the fire, there was a quiet silence. And a very, very low sound. Called the Mamadaka, very, very, very. There was a, a noise, but a very, very subtle noise. So the Zohar has a very powerful statement. The Zohar says, in the rash, in the fire, in the tumult that was going on before, God is not there yet. That's a pre commotion. That's the commotion that happens before. Then the fire, you're getting closer. The burning fire, you're getting closer, but God is not in the fire. Call the mama daka the silence. Tam, the words of the Zohar is Taman Malka. That's when the king is there. When the king reveals himself, there's absolute silence. When the infinite is suddenly manifesting and revealing itself within any entity in a creation, total silence. Like by the giving of the Torah, there was a lot of noise and commotion. That was before God spoke. And when God spoke, everything became silent. The world suddenly shut down in silence because we were just receiving. Because after the fire, coiled the mamadaka is the silence. The Zohar says, that it says, the, the, we said earlier, that God is not in the fire. But the Zohar says, there is the lower fire and the higher fire. The lower fire is your fire. For sure, that's not God. That's you. But even in the higher fire, the Zohar says, there is an ish there is a higher fire. The higher fire, as we said before, that you're not, your excitement, our excitement to God at a certain point stops being us generating that excitement but rather we are suddenly being pulled by him he is pulling us in we're being swept up by his suction as he's pulling us into him so that's a much higher fire and that is divine yet since when i'm experiencing it i'm not totally silent quite on the contrary i'm flapping my 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 wings even faster right now um, the, the intensity of the excitement is like so intense. It's really, 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 really strong. But I'm still feeling myself, even though 
If I'm, I'm not the one generating, it's not the lower fire. It's no more the isha, it's not the feminine fire. It's the ish yud, it's the masculine fire that is burning me and that I'm feeling. But it's not, it's not yet total revelation of God, even though it's a divine fire. Because the real connection is when you have silence. Then you're just receiving. That's after you ascend past the fire. That's what he says over here. Even that which is already the Eish Hashem, the Eish of God, which as we said earlier, that's called Ish, Eish Yud. The silence, that's very, very silent or, or, or low sound that is higher. Why? He says in the, in the brackets. When a person is experiencing now, remember we said earlier there is before there is earth, wind, sorry, earth, water, fire, and wind. These also correspond to the four worlds. Our material world is called earth. The world of the angels is Yitzirah, corresponds to water. The world of Berea, which is the world of souls and a very sublime level, right? But it's still creation, is fire. And Atsilus is Ruach, which is wind. Aish is in the world of Berea, still creation. Shesham, and that's why in, since Aish is in the world of Bria, that's why over there there are the angels that are called Seraphim. What are the angels called? Burnt angels. Fiery serpents and fiery beings. These fiery beings because it's a world of fire. But then that silent sound, that's the revelation of the world of emanation. That's already God himself. That's the level of Atzilus. Now he says, Ba'atzilus, in Atzilus itself, that means in the world of emanation, it has all four worlds, worlds in it. Kam kenyesh abiyah. It too has Atzilus, Priya, Yitzir, and Asiyah. V'zau is esh, ve'is esh. That's why the Zohar says there's two fires. There is the fire of Bria, and then there is, which is, a, which is, which is considered the lower fire, and then there is the Bria of Atzilus is the higher fire. But even the Bria of Atsilus, which is divine fire, doesn't come close to the sound, which is the Chachma of Atsilus. Where is God? God is in Chachma. Remember we said Koyachma, that's the masculine light, that's in Chachma. So even in Atsilus, the fire of Atsilus, the fire represents still a certain level of selfhood. A certain, a certain level where there's excitement means you're not one with something. That's why you're excited. You know, a good example for this is you watch, you see, you see it by, let's say, a, 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 a stadium, a show. And uh, let's use an acrobatic show, a circus. And the performers are doing like this crazy stunts. Or sports games. People, it's very noisy. It's no, there's a lot of fire in the room, especially when it gets serious, gets to the, the postseason or like a, 
you get to the end of the circus and they're doing like the craziest stunts and things like everybody is like excited like wow you see an amazing thing that when the person is going to do the most create like the like the most impossible thing the person is climbing on top of i don't know whatever they're walking on the tightrope and there's you know i don't know what uh, uh, over a pool full of alligators and sharks okay they're walking right over and and wait and and not only that but there's a machine that starts turning the rope that that they're walking on imagine that i'm just giving you like i'm some kind of crazy what happens at that moment the entire place is silent why because what they're watching is so impossible, so great that they become so lost that it cancels them, that they, they can't even be excited because they're feeling what's happening so strong that it has completely shut. It cancels them completely. It cancels you. It, comp- it overtakes your consciousness completely. You're not there anymore. It's only it. You're so lost in it that you don't exist. It has entered you completely to silence you. And what happens? A moment after the, sh- the the guy finishes that stunt, and he made it, and suddenly you like just you're coming back to yourself. That's when there is this explosion of excitement, or before it happens. But at the moment, there is silence. It's in a little example of when you're actually experiencing something much bigger than yourself, bigger than your mind, but you're it's it's. It has completely permeated you to the very, then at that moment, you have no, you have no self-awareness even to even know that you're to be excited. And the same, obviously, in a million times more, a gazillion times more, is when one experiences the divine. That's the silence. Chachma is an experience of silence. Even in Atzilus, the silent voice is higher than the fire of Atsilus because that's the Atsilus of Atsilus, not the Bria of Atsilus. Okay. Ah. But before fa- However, even though the ultimate is, as we said earlier, the intimacy, you can't get to the intimacy without the fire first. First, you need to have the fire. That's how... Sh- we, through our fire, we, we ascend towards the spiritual, towards something higher. Because without the fire, we rem- we're indifferent, we're cold. We're so stuck in our material world and we think that's all that there is. But when we have a, a, an excitement, the fire that, that picks us up, that, that lifts us up to the spiritual and makes us into a vessel for God to be able to ascend. And then comes the bitl, the nullification. That's why we know that the, the Levites, for instance, they were a noisy bunch of people. They made a whole lot of noise. They worked in the temple. They were the noise makers because the Levium were the ones who sang the songs and they were the ones who stoked the fire. And we know the Levites are from the left side. Spiritually, the energy of the souls of the Levites are from the left. They're very fiery being. They create the fire. They create the excitement. But the Kohanim, they're silent. They work very quietly. Because they're in, a, they're in such a state of meditation. And they're in a state of complete silence of self. They're just channeling. They have no self. When they served in the temple, they were like in a state of complete 
presence of the divine overtaking them. But the Levites have to come first. And this is the idea which God says, my bread, my fire. What does that mean? Number one, you have to establish a bond, a connection. And for that, God says, you've got to have dinner ready. That's it. Or else we don't even begin. Lachni, what does that mean? Yisrael mefarnesim. The sages say that we provide God with food. That sounds like the most ridiculous statement. God says, Israel, they're the ones who provide me with food. They sustain me. That's, God needs our food. And the answer is, God doesn't need it. But for God to attach himself to the world, he needs food. Just like what's food do? Food attaches soul to body. Obviously, the food that we're giving him is a spiritual type of food. But it did manifest in actually bringing him a lamb. The lamb, we took a lamb that was God's food and we put it on the altar. But what did it represent? It represents this, this sending something up from the world to attract God down. Just like the food, restores the soul to expand into the body. So that's the first thing. That's the bread. So that's just the just a connection. Then comes Le'ishe. Then comes to my fire, which is, as we said before, intensifying it. It's the, it's the we might say, as we said, the flirtation that increases. It's not just there is a connection, but there is a, an intensity in the connection. Through our arousal from below by us being a woman, which is Eish Hei, which is our our ish, our feminine fire, Nasa Lamaila, this turns God on and creates Ish Yud, it creates the masculine fire. So that his fire from above should come down and consume the sacrifice that's below. Or in prayer it means that when we extend our passion and love to him, his fire comes down to pick us up and to give us a treat of divine fire. Because we feel his love to us and that suddenly causes our fire to go berserk. The high new, and all of this, again, this, he's, he's speaking very, very, very cryptic here, very short. So you have to fill in the blanks. The high new, and all of this, what does it do? What does the word say? Before he says, before he says, my fire my bread, my fire, it says es karbani. Es karbani, we said, means bring, es karbani means bring me close. Es karbani, so first of all, one thing, to bring God close, first you have to have some kind of a, you have to bring him close with something. And he settles into the words, into the letters. These are the, these are the letters of the Torah. They, they're the, they, they're what traps the infinite light into something. So S, S are the combination of words which refer to all the words of the Torah which are made up of the 22 letters that come from Shema Aleph Atav. The word S is from Aleph till Tav. Karbani, what does Karbani mean? Not just my sacrifice. Nasu kroivim etzli mamish. They, these letters become very close to me. What does that mean? That I 
that God himself dwells in these letters. Gili Alakus, divine revelation, is in these letters. And literally the infinite light, as it is infinite, without him diluting the light, without him diminishing the light, the infinite light as it is, dwells in the letters. As we said earlier, we want to draw him down as he is, not just emanations from him that we have in the higher worlds. We want to bring him down himself here. As we said earlier, the reason we can move things around and do tshuva is when he himself is here. And that's what we want in, in Torah and in our mitzvah observance. We want Hashem himself. So it's in the letters. He will dwell, Eskarbani, he goes into the letters of the Torah. But what sparks him to descend into those letters? Good, yes, he descends into the letters of the Torah. But what attracts him into those letters? Eskarbani, you know what that is? Lachmi le'ishai. That's that's the carbon. That's the service of the of the sacrifices, or the service of prayer that substitutes the sacrifices, which is my bread and my fire. Al yedei lachmi le'ishai. Through these two elements, my bread, my fire. Now here it's interesting. In the Mimer over here, he doesn't explain so much that bread is for the right side and fire is on the left side. That is a discussed, is a, is 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 in the there's another version of this discourse in the Siddur, the Siddur of the Alter Rebbe, which is this book that I have beneath over here. And it's the same discourse, but a different one who wrote it. It's the Mitla Rebbe who wrote it, and he used to write more barichus. And thank God I was able to read it before I just an hour before over here. And over there, I, I, he, he literally opens this up that at least we can make some sense out of it. Can't tell you how many times I read this passage and I have no idea what in the world he's talking about. It's such a miracle that right now we're learning it and it's making sense. It's because I, because Hashem helped, but when I reread this, the whole discourse and it started now, it started coming together the pieces. Um, how does it happen? Through Lachmi, through my bread, my fire. Shemeish hey from the feminine fire nasa eish yud becomes the masculine fire, and what's the male fire shema? That's already male. Male is the name of forty-five. It's the name of God. It's the male. Nimshach mamish letoichay into our feminine fire, which is the name, which is forty fifty-two. Comes ma, comes the forty-five, comes the descent of v'hu b'pchinas malchus datsilo shem bam and. Into, where does he reveal himself? Into the Shekhinah, which we are all pieces of the Shekhinah, so into us, but in the general level, into the Shekhinah. Shemban, which is the name of 52. Kikol Yisrael b'nei Malachim. He wants to connect. If the revelation is happening in us, what does it have to do with the Shekhinah? So he says, yeah, because we are all children of the Shekhinah. So when we're offering the sacrifices, drawing God down, it's on an individual level, to each and every one of us, but on a collective level, it happens to our soul source, the Shekhinah, who's the mother of creation. She receives a descent of God's masculine self, which was described earlier, which is the godliness that's infinitely above the creation, to descend and be, be intimate with her. But the ultimate intimacy, this is all a preparation for the intimacy. The intimacy itself happens in the next reach nichoichi, through the fragrance. What is reach? So he says, in the word reach nichoichi, you have the ascent 
of the female and the descent of the male. Where do you have that? Reach, a fragrance, is is from the down upwards. What is that? It's like when a person smell, uh, uh, takes in a good fragrance, you take it, you, you inhale, and it goes all the way high up, and it pulls your, your, your soul down, makes, makes your energy that's above your vessels come down more into your containers. No, first, that's already the second thing. That's that it's responding. But the first thing is you're inhaling. It's going up, 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 deep, 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 deep. And it actually says that fragrance is the only thing that the soul enjoys. Food and other things is mainly a pleasure for the body. The, the, that's why, for example, uh, Saturday night at the end of Shabbos, we make the Havdalah. We, t- we, we all smell uh, a good fragrance because the soul is sad after Shabbos because her buddy, the extra soul that we have on Shabbos leaves. Soul is sad, so we want to cheer her up. We give her a little bit of a fragrance. Uh, a good, a good, a good. What does that do? It evokes. It's like God is smelling the coffee now. And where does it reach? It reaches a very high place. Like we said earlier, when a person faints and they're in a higher, more withdrawn place, you can only pull them down, not through food, but through a, a good, a good uh, smell. Because in exile, God is in a state of sleep. What is he saying, exile? Because the, the sacrifices keep God awake. Exile, where there is no sacrifices, and Hashem is sleeping. And we need a good, a, ro- a good scent to wake him up. What does it mean that God is sleeping? It means that only his very external self is present in the world, but he's not engaged from a very, very alert state. And we want God to be alert and engaged. That's where the, the fragrance comes in. And the fragrance is what awakens, it's what stimulates. And then is Hashem's response to that. As a result of sending up a good fragrance, a good scent, now he descends downward. Huloshen hayrada. It's a, it's it, the word means to descend. Huloshen menucha means it means um, calm, uh, arresting, which is amshachas habitol. That's already where the light settles down into the vessels, and when you draw the light down into the vessels, it causes complete nullification. Because as we said, the moment the divine fully permeates the container, the vessel, the vessel becomes completely lost in the light. That's what we said earlier, is that after the fire and the energy and the passion and the fervor comes the 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 the, the, the oneness. Which is even higher than the fire, the fire of the yud. Now, in prayer, I'm going to stop for a moment. Here, he doesn't discuss it so much, but we go through these stages in prayer. Um, in the mimer, I learned he didn't discuss so much where the bread part is, but we can possibly say it's the early part of prayer, where we are doing the carbon, the carbonos, which is called the bread. Then the verses of song, especially when we get to the Shema part, 
that's when you're creating fire. And you're talking about the angels above and you're talking about their fire for God. That's your fire. By the Shema, and it says you shall love God with all your heart and all your soul. At that moment, it's God's reciprocation of God's fire to your fire. It's still fire because it's you should love, but it's God commanding you to love. It's God instilling his love. It's no more your love. It's him pulling your love. That's during the Shema prayer. But all of that is a preparation for the Amidah for Shmona Esrei. Shmona Esrei is silence. The reason it's quiet is because that's the time of the unity. That's the zivug. That's the intimacy with God. Primarily, it says in, in many, many memorim, the last blessing of Shmona Esrei, Sim Shalom, give peace. Peace really means give an intimacy. Give me an intimacy. Give me the, be intimate with me. Shalom is, is Yesod. Yesod is the bonding between the Mashpia and the Makab. And that's, that's where all the blessings come in right at the end of the Shemona Esrei. By Sim Shalom is the co- completion of that unity with God. And, but then it says in the Pasuk, after all of this is the thing. You walk out on the street after you've just had intimacy with God. You know what that means? You know what kind of energy is now flowing in your body and in your soul? More energy that is is enlivening the entire universe. So you better make sure you don't have a leak. Because there's a whole lot of hackers out there that want to hack your soul. They know what you're possessing because they can take one look and see what's going on. All they want is one drop of your energy. That's enough to sustain them for who knows how long. So now you got to guard it. So the Pasuk says right after that, as karboni lachmi tishmeru. Now you got to put up fences and guard it. That it stays, the divinity that is now has now descended into your being is guarded, protected, and safe. How do you guard it? Tishmeru, the sages say, Shamarzu Mishnah. By studying the laws of Torah. The laws of Torah separate and define very clearly. And the laws of Torah are primarily revealed in the Mishnah because it says what's kosher, what's not kosher, what's legal, what's illegal, what seems to be pretty dry, especially for a very, very, very spiritual, mystical person. But yet we know we're supposed to study the law because by studying that, you're creating the, the protective um, firewall, if you can call it. You're protecting the... Uh, you're putting up uh, on computers. You have all this, all this, uh, whatever they're called, to 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 protect and to shield. Anti, I don't know what they call it. Anti, uh, anti spam virus or whatever. Tishmeru shumar zumishna sheyib chenas keli. You got to be a vessel. Legili oirin soy to chenas isha. 
a container for that fire to be revealed. As the sages say, Everybody that studies Torah, God learns along with him. My words, and I put into your words, my words, that's the draw of the ma energy, of the infinite light. But I want to put it in, in your mouth is referring to Torah Shabbal Peh. Torah Shabbal Peh is called your mouth. Torah Shabbal Peh means the oral law. God says, that's where I want to put it in. Which is also related to the 22 letters. Or we might say something like this. Because I'm, I'm, here is a little bit different seemingly than the other version that I learned over there. There it was... It seemed to be implying that the the learning of the Torah, which comes after prayer, which is what he's talking about now, is meant just to be a protection. But based on what he's saying over here, it seems like it's more than that. Prayer is the stimulator. You stimulate it through through the fire, through the through the intimacy. You're, you're, you're drawing, you're drawing. But now you have to place that energy into a container. You still have to have somewhere to put it in. Forget about pr- yeah, once it's in a container, it's protected. But you can't just have energy flowing. It needs to go into something constructive. What is that? Those are the letters of the Torah. The letters of the Torah capture the the the, the infinite light. Oh. <laughs> we have to make we have to make room. No, 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 come over here. They can sit. They can sit in Darton. This is my S Carboni, my carbon. Can sit and do. As we said earlier, S are the letters of the Torah, which Carboni, which in those letters the Eberster himself dwells. The Ovois were were always because the forefathers Oyachagas they are Chesed Gvurita Ferris. Ain a Merkava, they are the Merkava. He's connecting why are the letters of the Torah, I think. Why are the letters of the Torah the proper container that can host, that can facilitate? The revelation of the Orein Seif Mamish, the Oira Seif of Kalam, the infinite light, more than the emotions. You might argue, and you might say, hold it. Why isn't my love a container? Why isn't my love? I, I love, I'm loving Hashem. I, I'm feeling my spiritual energy, my love, my awe, my fear. Why can't that serve as the container, as the vessel? We're saying that the love, the fire, all these things, they're stimulators. They stimulate the energy. But the container has to be the, the Torah that you're learning. That's what's holding it. Why? The words of Torah who are, are coming from, from who? who who's, who's, the, who's the author of the Torah? Obviously, it's God. But who channeled these, this Torah from the Abishter down to the world? That's Moshe. So much so that we say Zichru Taidas Moshe. The Torah is actually called cool, the Torah of Moshe Rabbein. Taidas Moshe. 
Moshe is at a much higher level than the emotions. Why? As you know, Moshe was at a higher level spiritually than Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, than our Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? Higher than them. Why? Because the Avos, the emotions were, I'm sorry, the forefathers, they represent the divine emotions. Moshe comes from the, the level of Chachma. Chachma is the first of the ten spheros. The level, as we spoke earlier, of total bittel, total nullification. Let me put it this way. Moshe is the level of kol damama daka, the silent, the silent sound that we said earlier, where Hashem himself is, as opposed to uh, what we spoke earlier, the fire that precedes the kol damama daka. It says in the Pusik, first comes a noise, then comes a fire. After the fire comes the silence. Moshe's neshama is from the world of silence. The Avais neshamas are from the a bubbling. You, if you looked at Avram's neshama and Yitzhak's neshama and Yaakov's neshama before it came down into the world or even after it came, you'll see bubbling like a pot bubbling. You'll see bubbles. Because they were cooking. They were always cooking with passion, with fire. They were one ball of one entity of fire. Moshe's neshama is pure silence. Because Moshe is so overwhelmed with the, with, with the emiss of the Abishter, he can't even bubble. There's, not, there's just bitl. The highest levels of Bittu. Torah is, is channeling motion. So just like we said earlier, first you have to have the stimulator to stimulate and to awaken the whole relationship with Hashem comes from the emotions, comes from the fire. And in the history of the Jewish people, it's also that way. You had a, you had a few hundred years of Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. That created the fire that the Abish of Bechal be attracted to come down into this world, to be in a relationship. But the actual moment of the bonding of Hashem, the connection of heaven and earth, wasn't through Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. It was through Moshe's. Because Moshe is the state of total bittel. Vanachnu ma, I am what? Bittel, total nullification. And that's why the Torah, which is Torah's Moshe, dafka the Torah, the letters of the Torah, that's the vessel in where the Eberster himself can dwell. So they're the chariot. Moshe is totally. That's why you see about Moshe Rabbeinu. I said before, Moshe is silence. Moshe is quiet. He's silence. You really see. God says to Moshe to speak the Torah, and Moshe says, "Kvat I can't talk. Moshe was difficult. He couldn't speak. There had to be a miracle that Hashem said. Who gave a person a mouth? I gave you a mouth. Hashem says, I'm going to open, I'm going to open a mouth to you that you should be able to speak. But Moshe on his own can't talk because when you're so um, um, nullified and so, so, so uh, uh, dissolved, you're silent. As we discussed earlier. Moshe is the bitl. The al, so it would mean like this. They are the chariot. The chariot is part of the Merkava, part of the Kiseh HaKavit, part of the throne is the chariot. So we know there's two levels of chariot. There's the lower chariot in Olam HaBriya, in the world of Bria. That's the chariot of the Malachim, of the angels. And then there is a higher chariot, the chariot of Olam HaTzilus. That's the chariot of not of creations. That's within the divine itself. The levels called the chariot within Hashem himself. So there's Midas HaChesed, the emotion of kindness, the emotion of Gevura, which is Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov, much higher level. But yet, it's still a chariot is part of the seat. It's not the one who's sitting himself. It's the, it's the seat to him. 
But who sits on the chariot? The Adam, the supernal man himself. Moshe Rabbeinu is one with the supernal man himself. Adam, the word Adam, who's the person who sits on the seat, is Gematria Ma. 45. And Moshe says, no Ma. So Moshe Rabbeinu is not a chariot to Hashem. He's not a, it doesn't say anywhere Moshe was the chariot. Because Moshe is beyond being a chariot. Moshe is completely miyuchid. He's completely unified with Hashem. Not just surrender to Hashem. Like a chariot is surrendered. Moshe is deeper than surrendered. He's so surrendered that he's no more him. He's already totally one with Hashem. Moshe is crazy words over here. Moshe is the one riding. He's not the, he's not the chariot. They're the level of the chariot to the rider. Moshe is the rider himself. This is my, and that's why the words of Torah, which is love, that's why davening is only a preparation for the Torah we learn after. Because the davening is the stimulating. Shmoyne Esrei is already the state of Yichud. But in order to hold that Yichud that you receive in Shmoyne Esrei, in Kalim, in vessels that can facilitate it, is the Torah study that we learn after prayer, after davening davening. There is a different Indian that we learn Torah before davening, but that's a different, each one plays its role. The calls which is the bitl, the mus kemara adam, which is the image of the face of man, which is the one who's riding, chachma, which is the highest level of atzilus, which is chachma is koach ma, the power of forty-five. Yesoid abba is that there? What does it mean? Moshe didn't have a mouth; he couldn't talk. It means he was so nullified. But God said, I need, I need you to communicate. But Moshe said, I can't communicate. I don't have a mouth. That's Hashem said, that's exactly what I want you to communicate. I want you to communicate your bittle. I want you to communicate your silence. <laughs> I want you to speak your silence. What is Moshe speaking? He's not speaking. You have silence. Now you have to teach them that silence. So you have to transmit that silence. I'm going to give you a mouth to I'm creating a mouth to your silence. That's what Hashem is giving Moshe. He's giving a mouth to his silence that he can communicate to silence. So that's the idea of Yesoid Abba. Yesoid is always the power of the Mashpia. The Yesoid of Chachma. The Hashpa to transmit Chachma. That's Moshe Rabbeinu. Ma. He is Ma. And Hashem said that Ma, that Bittal, I need you to channel that to them. But how, that's Moshe Rabbeinu. How will a person come to such a level higher than the others? So you're asking, Yankel Schmendrick, anybody over here, us little people today's days, and you're saying, davening, you're, to, you're rising up to Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. But now, after davening, you have to reach a state of bitl completely and to st- the level of Moshe, total, total, total oneness with God. How does a person reach that level of bitl? Such not so. Ah, so what was the, what, what's the first words of the Pasuk? So that's why God speaks to Moshe and Elaine might to say, Tzav es b'nei Yisrael, command the Jewish people. What does that mean? Command the Jewish people. Tzav means attach yourself to the Jewish people. Command doesn't only mean can't. The word tzav, like the, from the word mitzvah, always means a togetherness. When we do a mitzvah, we call it together. Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, defuse yourself into them. Download yourself into them. Tzav es Yisrael, attach yourself. 
And I was, they need a Rebbe. Without a Rebbe, they're not going anywhere. Sav, Moshe, you're the Rebbe. You're the one who has this bittle to the Ebishta. Sav, attach yourself. Moshe said, no one understands me. I can't, I'm in a whole different world. And the Ebishta says, no, 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 no. You need to be their Rebbe. You need to be their teacher. You need to commend. You need to tzav yourself to them. Once, that's why I got excited at the beginning. I said, I, I was hyperventilating right at the beginning of the class about how exciting. This little statement, Tzav is B'nai Yisrael, command the Jewish, how the depth of what he's saying over here. Moshe Rabbeinu, they need you to, you have to attach yourself to the B'nai Yisrael. And watch these words. V'amarta aleyam and say to them. So the word v'amarta, amira, it doesn't say daber. If it says already, Tzav is B'nai Yisrael, command the Jewish people. So why does he have to say v'amarta? Of course, if you're tzav, if you're commanded, you're going to say something. What does it mean? V'amarta aleim, you say to them. The Zohar says that every amira, every time it uses the word emar, amira, it's referring to hamshacha, a flow of chachma. It's the flow of chachma energy. So this is what he's saying. Unbelievable. Tzav is b'nei Yisrael. Attach yourself to the b'nei Yisrael and channel Chachma to them. That's what Vamarta, that's what Moshe's Amira is. In other words, Hashem is saying, in what, in what sense do I want you to attach yourself to them? I want you to share your nullification and your bittle that you have to me. I want you to empower them to have that bittle. And once you say to them, then Eskarbani, they will be able to say, S is the Oisius Torah because S is from Aleph to Tav. Karboni, which means they will now have the the, the letters, the, the ability to speak words in which Karboni, Lekarveni, that's Makarev the Ebishter, that draws the Orient Sov down into them because they now have, now they have the Bittal. Without Bittal, the Ebishter cannot dwell. Hashem cannot dwell where there, where there was Metzius, where there is ego, where there is self. So you, but you have to give them that ability to transcend even the level of the Ovis to a level of total bittal when they're learning Torah at least. Obviously, we don't reach the level of the Ovis, but when we're learning Torah, we're on Moshe's wavelength. That's the point. Moshe Rabbeinu gave us that ability to be in a level and be able to say S, the letters of the Torah, Karbani, which are bringing you close to me and me to you. As he explains over here. The co- uh, uh, and how will a person why they tzavas b'nei Yisrael shepchinas Moshe yashpil atzmoi Moshe shall lower himself down v'yumshach lamata and he should draw himself down below sheyia betzavso v'chibur that he should be in a state of tzavso of attachment al yadeze and through this v'amarta leim you say to them amira b'chinas abba you're gonna give them a dose of chachma. That it should be, and what does it mean to learn Torah in a level of Chachma? To learn Torah in a level of Chachma means that when you're talking the words of Torah, you talk without any self-consciousness. To the point that it's not you speaking, but Hashem is speaking through you. Says in the Pasuk, my words that I put into your mouth. That the Eberster's words are being channeled, Hashem is talking. Then what does it continue? After the words Tishmeru we said before, which is which goes back to the because the Tishmira means you have a Kaili now to receive it. And now Lahakrivli, this you you bring me close to you. And here's the next 
b'moy adoy in its time. So what does that mean, b'moy adoy in its time? Simply, as we said earlier, it means daily karbonis, in the morning, afternoon. Much deeper meaning. What does b'moy adoy mean? Moyed, moyed means two things. Moyed means a lushen, a, uni- a word of, a meaning of intimacy, a total chibur, total attachment, total fusion of the mishpia and the makabal. It's called moyed. Like it says, one of the lushenes you can use for marriage, one of the languages that's used for marriage in the Torah, is a person said, you are miyuedetli. You are designated to me. Uh, the Torah says when a man has a maidservant, a girl, it's a mitzvah for the master to marry her. And it's called mitzvah's yiud. Yiud means designating in marriage. So when it says moed, so, but moed also means a set time. So what does that mean? A set time for for this for this unity. Like Hashem says to Moed, Rashi says on the words, when we built the Mishkan, when we made the Oroin, it says, I will set times to do what? I will set times to, to be with you, to be one with you. But the moment you hear Moyed, you're thinking about Shalish Regalim, which are called Moyadim. And that's the Nikud. This, even though we're learning now that this yichud, this unity of the yid with an ebishter, with a yid and a Hashem, can happen every day, but it can't be throughout the day. It can only be in designated times. What are the designated times? The designated times to come to that state of oneness is during the three tefillahs, during the three times of davening. You're learning Torah, you're holding it. You're able to take that yichud that's taking place, and then you're creating the vessels to come. But the yichud itself, to the point of, happens only in the time of shachras, mincha, and mairev. Now, shachras, mincha, and mairev, which are the three prayers, the morning prayer, the afternoon prayer, and the evening prayer, they correspond to the three moyadim. So which means that in a small way, you can experience it every day. In a general way, it is experienced in Pesach, in Shavuos, and in Sukkot. But a little bit of Pesach shines every shachras. A little bit of Shavuot shines every Mincha, and a little bit of Sukkot shines every Mairit. And that's how you have your Moyadoi, which is both the three times in the year, which is the Moyadin, and also at the same time, every single day, in a, in a small way, you have, obviously it's much weaker when you're doing it in your in your your ability to achieve it and during Shachras, Mincha, Mairit, in, in a regular time of the year, is not as powerful as when it comes Mamish the time of Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot. But that's the idea of Lahakrivli to experience this Kirov, this total oneness, the Moyadoi in its Yomtev. Moyad, he says, Loshem Adah, designated. Yiyud is set time. Umoyed, Venoyed, Hakaloshin Yiyud, Viyichud, Vichibor. A total state of intimacy and union. But now he says, a Gavaldagayan. In every in every yichud, there is two inyanim. In every yichud, there is two two elements. And in a yichud means in every in every fusion, in every intimacy, there's two aspects. There is 
there is God channeling, is God ascending. It means he's 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 he's, he's, he's revealing himself. But there's also that it's it's being it's being received by the recipient. It has to it has to be taken in. It has to be. So here's the idea. The actual energy, and we said before, the energy of the the revelation is the energy of Chachma. That Gilui is Shabbos. That's why we know Shabbos is the head of all the Yom and Tevin. When the when Hashem when Hashem lists us in Parshas Pinchas, actually the same, even though this mimer is not on. On, on, this is this this mimer is on the parsha of the carbon tamid, which is an introduction to all the moadim. It's interesting. It's the daily carbon, then comes the Shabbos. Then come, what is in that order? Because Shabbos is the source of all holidays. Shabbos is holier than the holidays. Even though Shabbos is holier than the holidays, it's an interesting thing. Even though Shabbos is holier than the holidays. Shabbos doesn't have the same impact on us like the Yom. On a simple level, you can say, because Yom Tev is rare. Shabbos happens every seven days, so we get more accustomed to it. But Yom Tev like, gives us a real boost because it's, it's another reason. The, 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 in Yom Tev, there's more of us there. Shabbos is Shabbos Lashem. Shabbos is just Abish, there's just God. In Shabbos, we dissolve. We're not even there. It's like we're entering his space and it's just him, not us. Yomtev is a time of, of of zivog. It's a time of it's us and him. It's 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 his light being being actually given to us for us to be able to internalize, as opposed to Shabbos. So Shabbos, that's why it says in Hasidic, in, in Kabbalah. What does it say? It says that Shabbos is Chachma and Yomtev is Bina. But Yomtev is not just Bina. Yantiv is the lights of Chachma being drawn into Bina. That's why Yantiv is called Mikra Kodesh. Shabbos is called Shabbos Kodesh. It's the holy Shabbos. Kodesh is the level of Chachma. Transcendence. Chachma. God. Yantiv is Mikra Kodesh. It means we're calling Kodesh. That means that the level of Kodesh, which is Chachma, is being called into Bina. We learned about it. Remember last year we learned about the guests? How, how we have, how in Yantiv the Zohar says, the weekdays are being called into the Shabbos, even though it's, it's Shabbos. Remember, like people being called to the palace. We went the whole mimer about it, the Biure Azor on, on Yom Tif. We had five classes on it, remember? So, Shakol Shabbos Kodesh. The itself, the revelation is Shabbos. It's all Shabbos Kodesh, Yilachem is How does Shabbos. So, the point is like this. Here's the, here's, here's the amazing thing. The source of all Hamshacha is Shabbos. But Shabbos is, too, is still too high. In order for Shabbos to get to us, the lights of Shabbos to be able to get to us, it's through the Yom Tev. The Yom Tevs help facilitate that the lights of Shabbos should really be able to enter into us. And through Yom Tev, not only can we then process the lights of Shabbos on Yom Tiv, we can even process them all year, all, all year long. And that's why Yom Tiv, Yom Tiv extends now into the three tefillahs of every day. So that's how you have, it. it's almost like the, they're like the arteries and the veins that bring it down into the regular days of the week.
And how does Yom Tov do that? Because Yom Tov always, Yom Tov could fall out on Shabbos, but Yom Tov is, Yom Tov takes, is the magical thing. It takes a regular weekday and it, and, and it makes it godly. It makes it holy. It takes a Yom Choyal. Shabbos doesn't do that. Shabbos always remains in its designated place. You see, so you see Shabbos is moved all, it's separated. But Yom Tov takes a Monday every time. It's always changing. It could be Sunday, it could be Monday, it could be Tuesday, it could be Wednesday. All these regular days and they become sanctified. So you see that the Yom Tov, the holidays, they serve as the mediators to bring the energy of Shabbos, which is the pure revelation of, of Chachma, which is the revelation, which in Chachma dwells the Orin Sof, into, down to the details. So, through mikra kaidesh, a calling of kaidesh. But zivug, therefore, comes out according to this, that Shabbos is not so much zivug. Shabbos is more just the gili of him. Zivug means a unity of him and us. That it is brought down the penimius. It's drawn into us. But on yomtiv, it's not just... The energy of mother of Bina. Yantav is called Yantav is called Ema Banam Semecha. It's interesting. Shabbos is Oneg. The mitzvah of Shabbos is to have Oneg. Oneg means pleasure. The mitzvah of Yantiv is to have Simcha. Joy. What's the difference? Pleasure you can have when something is still distant. You can feel it, you sense it, and you sense it, you can have pleasure. Joy can only hit you when something is really going into you. That's when you have simcha. So Yom Tev, since it's Bina light, it's far more, we, we have more, more of a recipient of it. There is Mayadam Simcha. Shabbos is still a little more above us. So, but, but he says, even though Yom Tev is Bina, it's not Bina on its own. It's the lights of Chachma, Mikra Kodesh is being called into, into Bima. Pesach, but now, and now that, but, the way it happens in all three Yomim Toivim is that, remember we said earlier, what did we say on that? That our attachment to the Eberster, to Hashem, happens in a way of Yemina, Usmala, Ubeneyukala. There is the right side, there is the left side, and there is the middle. The right side is, we, earlier we learned, the right side is Lachmi, the bread, the carbon. Um, the left side is fire, Le'ishai, my fire. Reach Nichoichi, that's the middle. That's the intimacy, Mamish. Yeminite, Yeminite, the Pasik says, Smoilai Tachas Laraishi, his left hand is beneath my head. Yeminoi, his right hand, Chapkeni grabs me. And then after that is the Yichud. Is the, is the, so now he's explaining it like this. Um, uh, so Pesach, Pesach is the right side. Is, 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 we know that Pesach, Passover, is the energy of, of Avram. Pesach, Mumatalomailam. And therefore, it's Mumatalamaydu Pchinas Avram, is Avram Avinu, Tfila Shachris, Eir of Shachris. And the way it works is by Avram, when the Torah speaks about Avram, it says that Avram was journeying towards Hashem. Holoch Venaseya, he was journeying. He started up, he started in Choran, he started in a very unholy place, and he journeyed all the way, all the way, all the way. His life was a journey into holiness. So Avram Avinu gives us the ability to stop, start at the very bottom and climb the ladder upward. And that's what Pesach is. Pesach is like we're just coming out of Egypt. We're coming out of a very dark place. We're cli- and we start 49 days. We're climbing up. We're, we're purifying. For Pesach, you don't have to be ready. You don't have, you have to be ready in the sense they have to clean the house for chametz. You have to get But you don't have to like Pesach. 
Hashem gives you the ability, links you even at the very bottom, and He puts you on the road to ascending. Pesach, it's Avram Avim, kindness. But you have to climb afterwards. And that's why we find tefillah shachris, you find, is the one tefillah that we have a lot of time to work with. It's a long davening. And it starts at the very bottom. You start with karbanis. And which is Masiya. Then you climb up in Baruch Sha'amar, and then as you start, you're warming up, you get to the, the, the verses of song, then you get uh, Kriya Shema. Finally, you get to Shemona Esri. Shemona Esri is already Hashem's downloading. Till here you're climbing, and then Hashem comes to meet you on the top. That's already a little bit by Kriya Shema, and mainly by Shemona Esri. And you reach the level of bitl all the way. So during davening, you're no more already climbing. But now Hashem is, this, is, is shining His light through you. The interesting thing about Mincha is that by Mincha, we don't have any... Mincha is the shortest prayer. Okay, Karbanas, Ashrei, Great, there's no creation, which means by Mincha you're in a state that you can channel immediately. You don't have to climb up and elevate your consciousness to be in a state that you can channel. You're instantly in a level that you can be a, a channel, Baruch Atashem. You're actually downloading godliness into you. That follows something about Yitzchak. Yitzchak was born. The little baby, and already the Abishta says, I'm a covenant with you. Avram had to climb till he took him a hundred years till he got his Brismila. <laughs> all the work, all the tennis, Yitzhak is born on top of the mountain. He's already born at Eben. He's like born on the top on the highest peak. So that's Tfilas Milcha has that Mila that for whatever reason, instantly. You would think really by Mincha should have been the opposite. You wake up in the morning, you haven't yet gotten so tarnished by the world. You haven't just gotten so, it should take less work. In the morning, you're still, by Mincha, it's the middle of the day, you have so much, you know, distraction and so much stuff in your head, you would think it would take uh, a lot of work to be able to, till you get, you elevate your consciousness to be in a state of bitl. It looks like the tefillah of Shachrit, the work that you did by Shachris is supposed to allow you to have instant connection already by Mincha. Like Yitzchak, since Avram Avinu did the work, Yitzchak was already born up on the top. Masha enke mincha, loshen menucha. Mincha is loshen menucha. There's this peace by mincha. She'en sham elot filas yudches pulvad. All you have is filas yudches pulvad, which means filish manesre. Really, it's ashreish manesre. The arv is, and what's myrev? Myrev is Yaakov. What's Yaakov? Yaakov is a blend between between Avram and Yitzchak, because Avram is chesed, Yitzchak is gevurah. Now, the Pashtas, when I was learning this, I, I was having a very hard time, because you would think the opposite. Chesed would mean that you can have an instant connection. Gevurah means that you got to earn it. You got to work hard. So the chur of the Yitzchak should be much more demanding that you should do. And we know, in general, we know that chesed is a flow from up. Down And gevurah is an ascent. You're, you're, you're climbing upwards. That's what gevurah is, like fire rising. But sometimes in Hasidus it says the opposite. <laughs> and this is one of the places where kind of Avram is the is the is the is and Yitzchak, even though it's Gevura. So that's that needs that needs some clarification still. But in any case, Yaakov is a blend, and Myrav is a blend. 
Where do you see the blend in Mayrev? On the one hand, Mayrev also has Kriya Shema, just like Shachar says. And Birchus Kriya Shema. But you don't have Karbanais, you don't have Pesukah de Zimra, you don't have that whole long preparation. And even in Mayrev, even the Birchus Shema, they're much shorter. And brief, and you're ready by Shemon Asher. It's not as instant as Mincha, but it's not as toiling as Shachar's. And that's Yaakov, which is a, a blend of Chesed and Gevura. So, uh, as he says, It has There isn't such an Arichus. Yaakov has both of them. Now, Shachar's also has a little an element of Yitzchak in it because you have to have chesed, has to have gevurah, gevurah has to have chesed, because in Kedusha everything is nichlam. Akedas Yitzchak ba'avram. The idea of Akedas Yitzchak is that Avram takes Yitzchak to the Akedas. So there is a... Okay. So these are the three Yom Tovim. Which in these three... And, 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 and then these three Yom Tovim come down as what? As... In every day we have the three Yom Tovim. Vegam Moyed... Moyed has a third meaning. Time, intimacy, and also ornaments. Moyed comes from the word like a bride. Te'ada, she beautifies herself with um, with she puts on her ornaments. Shuloshin adi vekishut. Like it says, "Vatavoyu ba'adi adoyim." You came and you became v'yisnatzlu b'nei Yisrael as edyom mehar choyrev. Also, the same word. It says after the Jews made the the the, the golden calf, the eagle, Hashem was upset at them, and they had to remove their crowns the, by the giving of the Torah. God gave them the crowns, and that they remove their crowns. The word is edyom. So from the moed has the word adi in it, which is, means ornaments. The main ornament. It's interesting. Even the ornaments are bracelets, necklaces, and rings, and all that. But the main ornament is the crown. Obviously, you know, women don't walk around with crowns. But a kala, especially, it talks about it. A bride. Uh, there's a halacha that discusses that it used to be by a wedding, a chassan would wear a crown and a kala would wear a crown. They both would wear crowns by the old Jewish weddings in the time of the temple. One of the gezeras that the sages made that we have to have zeichel uchorben to remember the destruction of the table is that a chassan is not allowed to wear a crown. A kala is more is allowed to wear like a bridal crown, but a chassan not. It's a halach. It's a, the Rambam to, um, The real ultimate ornament is the crown, and what's the idea? Mayet, we said before, is zivug. A time when the orin sof is drawn. And where the ur coming from, it's even though it's coming through Chachma, it's really originating in Kesar, is the, is the orin sof. So during Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot, the crown, meaning the Yizgalos of Kesar in Nishmas Yisrael, in the souls of Yidin, is wearing our crown. So on Yom Tiv, we are all wearing our ornaments. We're wearing the crowns. And then we can have it every day also during Pesach, during Shachas, Menchem, um, so 
If you look up all these sources, you'll be very enriched and you'll know much more. I couldn't even look up the sources because I had no uh, clue what he's talking about till literally till, 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 till I tried learning this mime already three, four times. I was but I didn't get a chance to look these up. Now I have a cheshek to look up all these things, what he's saying. Look in the, all these thousand sources and then you'll be much smarter. Now he does a kitzer. Let's do a kitzer now, a summary from the pasuk. Tzav loshen tzavsa. Tzav means attachment. Sheyeh nimshach b'chinas Moshe liyas b'tzavsa chod b'nei Yisrael. Moshe Rabbeinu. So first, <laughs> the amazing thing is that this whole this talking about the 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 whole attachment of heaven and earth, the whole attachment of God to the world, the whole as we said, this mitzvah of karbonis is the pnimius of all mitzvahs, everything. But what does it start with? First thing is it starts with the Rebbe. Without a Rebbe, Geitnish. There's Moshe. That's the first. Moshe Rabbeinu, Savez B'nai Yisro. That Moshe is the one who has to be mitzvah. He, the Ebesh is telling a Rebbe to connect to the Chassidim. That he has to connect with the Jewish people. Through this, you're going to give them Chachma. You're going to give them Bittl. You're going to Chachma them. You're going to Bittl them. Through this, and that's another meaning. You're going to give them chachma, but you're going to give them what? The ability to study Torah, and the word shouldn't be theirs. It should be the Ebershter's words. When a Rebbe is talking, it's not him talking. It's the Ebershter speaking through him. And a Rebbe has the koyach to give that to the chassidim, to his mekusharim, to those that are connecting, that they should also learn Torah, that they should be able to learn Torah with that level of bitl. That the words of the person should be the Dvar Hashem, that Hashem is speaking through them. And this is the meaning, S Karbani. The letters of S is Aleph through Tav. The letters of Torah. Karbani, that I should be, that I'm of me. You're literally downloading me. You're channeling me. Karbani, you're being of me in these letters. But Moshe has to give that Koyach, that you shouldn't learn with, a, with with ego, with self-importance, that it should be your words, it should be my words, I'm speaking through you. They're close to me. They bring me to you. Like it says, and my word, I put into your mouth. When a Jew is learning Torah, God is learning along with him right now. And through this will also be my bread, my fire. What does the fire mean? Ishi Eshyud. Le'ishai means you spark my fire. Through your Isha, through your feminine fire. Eshei, through the passion of the Neshama and the fire of the Neshama, which is your Isha, is the woman's fire, that will awaken Eshyud, Hashem's fire. That's the Ebershter's fire that goes down. Now, we have to spark it. But once we spark it, his fire is more powerful than our fire. And he pulls us, as we spoke earlier, that in davening, 
You have to first generate it on your own. The beginning of davening is not going to come from above. You got to put a little effort in. You got to start your own fire. But once you're going to start it, Hashem's fire will come down to meet your fire and he will pull you in. And once he's pulling you in, you're riding on his way, on his fire, which is way stronger than your own fire. That's the ishi, that's the masculine fire, the me, which is, oh, which then consumes our fire. To elevate the fire that's in our animal soul, which is our fire. He's giving you five memorim to learn in which each place he's discussing this Indian. But that's through lachmi, our bread. What did we say is a function of bread? It keeps the neshama connected to the body. Right? Without food, you get tired, weak, and ultimately the soul leaves the body. Lachmi, our bread, means we keep Hashem attached to the kalim, to the worlds. Because the way it works, now he's giving a little bit already of a biological element to how it works. Right? That the bread gets converted to blood, and which is b'chinas chayim, the yisoy de'esh, that's why the ah, that's why carbonos are called bread. Just like bread, what happens becomes blood. The carbonos also is the avoid of the blood. Ah, one pirush is that the esh the lachmi is like this leishai. That's God's fire. Lachmi. That's Isha, that's your fire. Eish Hey becomes the bread that stimulates Eish Yud. Now, Lachura, what is Lachmi? Earlier I said, the first thing for a romantic relationship is that the wife has to have dinner for her husband. So he should at least show up. He's here. Then comes the next part. But now he's actually learning a little different over here. He's saying that the Lachmi, the bread, doesn't only mean food. Because Chazal say that the woman, and the relationship between the man and the woman is also called bread. That's why um, Yosef said to Paro, to, to the wife of Potiphar, when she was trying to mess with him, um, Yosef said to her, my master gave me everything. He was so nice to me. The only thing he didn't give me was the bread that he eats. And, what, and that was a, an illusion that, he, that, that you're his wife and that, that, that you're designated to him, not to me. So you see there that, that, that zivug and that is also called lechem. So therefore he's saying that lachmi, our bread, means also our, our romance that we bring the to, we stimulate the Eibishter uh, through our fire. Another time you see bread is referring to a marriage. Um, Moshe, when he was by Midian, um, he met the daughters of Yisro. He helped them out. He chased away the shepherds. Then they came home and Yisro said, how'd you get it back so fast? And they said, well, there was a shepherd there who, who fought for us and then he, he helped us draw the water. So he says, why don't you call him and he will eat bread? He didn't mean just invite him for dinner. He meant maybe he'll marry one of you. And that's what it really happened. He married Tzipporah. So you see, Pasha Shemoizia, Berotzaloimah, Bread and Le'isha, both of them mean the same thing. The Yichud, the Zivud, between the Mashpia and the Makabal means between Hashem and us. 
which is the idea of matan Torah, which is the wedding. Um, the ish yud ish, that's the mashpia. And he is the makabel us. This is our world. As we said earlier, reach is our our ascent because reach goes up, and nichoyach is the descent from above. Yeah, the second Peter's that he's saying here is more consistent with what we learned. He's learning now that through the, the first parish we just learned the way in the Kitzer was a little different than the way that was flowing earlier. Earlier what was flowing was that your fire and your passion by davening enables that I should descend in your Torah. That's the, that's the stimulator. That's the pre-Indian. But now, now he's learning but that's what he's saying right now in the parentheses, consistent with what he said earlier. In the Kitzer, he switched it a little bit. He said a Pirush that the the S Karbani through Moshe, through the Limudat Torah, that enables it should be Lachmi Leisha. But more consistent is the opposite. What he said earlier. Oyesh Lamer, he says. S Karbani. The reason why I guess why he said that Pirish was because in the Seder of the Pasuk, S Karbani comes before Lachmilaisha. So according to that, it would seem to imply that the first thing is Moshe Rabbeinu empowers the Yidden to learn Torah. By learning Torah, Hashem comes into the ICS. Once that connection is made, now that also gives you the Koyach that you should be able to fire up your fire and have that Ishai Lachmi, the Indian of Davini. So then the Davening is the derivative of Torah. The second Pirush, which he's saying now, is more consistent with what we learned earlier, but it makes the Pasuk a little trickier. Because you have to say like this, S Karbani, the, the letters of Torah, Karbani is Mimakarev. But that only happens after you do the work of Lachmi, my bread, Le'ishai, Re'achmi, Choychi, which is the whole Avodah of Davening, which that enables that S Karbani. So the S Karbani then is 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 an introduction, but it's not in avoid that comes after. But it's saying it's the objective. The objective is that you should be able to have a state of total oneness with Hashem, which happens when you're learning Torah. But how do you get there? Lachmi In order that your your words of Torah shouldn't ring hollow, it shouldn't be you talking. In this world, we don't see two people sitting and learning. One guy is learning, and it's him talking. Another person sitting right next to him is learning, and the God is talking. We don't see the difference. But Tzadikim can immediately see whose limitator is potent. <laughs> where is the Abishta there, or where is not? And the question is, what's motivating the learning? If the person has love of Hashem, and fear of Hashem, and davens, and gets, and there's a relationship going on over there, that when he's learning tighter, the Abishta is pumping in that learning. One of the reasons the Baal Shem Tov came. Well, the Yidin were learning a lot of Torah, but there was no relationship with God there. It was totally hollow. The Baal Shem Tev came and said, you know, for the Torah to be Torah, it has to be an Abishter there. You have to have a connection. And that's, you need, you need the Baal Shem Tev. The Baal Shem Tev was Moshe Rabbeinu then in his generation. And he, 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 he was the Tzavis B'nai Yisrael. He, he, he awakened this. Oyesh, 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 Oyes
through the Yisrusa de Latata, which is Lachmi Leisha, Reich Nechaychi, Nimshach Betayra Bchinas Gavoya Yaisa. And the Torah is much higher. It's S Karboni. That it's Oisiyos. It's Aleph through Taf Karboni. That's Mekariv Me. That draws the Abish. The Inyan Reich Nechaychi. So the S Karboni is the same Indian like the Reach Nichoyach. Reach Nichoyach, we said, is like the level of Shmon Esrei. See, Shmon Esrei and Torah learning is, is in general the same level. It's a state of actual zivug, a state of total unity. That's why it's quiet, it's silent. It's already a state of oneness, as opposed to davening, which is still on the outside. It's the slavos, the excitement, and you're working your way in. It's a, it's a pre- and afterwards, Tzarechli Tishmeru. Afterwards, you have to guard it. Shemar is Mishnah. Afterwards, you have to guard it. Sheyenishmar Beleva Adam. Chenas Leishi Eishiyid. You have to keep the fire that Hashem has downloaded into your neshama. You have to guard it. It shouldn't fall away. Shalo Yeb Chenas Pailetes. Which is referring to a woman who doesn't get pregnant. And the reason is, even though she receives from her husband, but then she's pilot. Pilot means she can't hold it. And if she can't hold it, means that she can't have children. Nothing is born from him. So the idea is the old, a spiritual, a spiritual impregnation means that the godliness that you've drawn down becomes part of your soul. It becomes it stays as opposed to it. The is This is on the level of Dibor. Now one of the things I didn't discuss today at all, and and I didn't even we didn't even learn it in the whole mimer because as I mentioned, this mimer is a beer, it's an explanation on the original mimer. Over there, and so one of the questions that one of the diyukim in the pasuk, one of the ideas of the verse that I didn't discuss at all, which which he's answering now, is how come it says twice va'amarta aleim? He begins. It says, "Without Shemosh, the husband is a commander." Vamart say to them, and then it says again, "Vamart to lehem say to them." Zeh Isha, this is the carb. Why does it say twice, "Vamart to lehem"? So he's explaining now that avoidus akarbonos, the service of karbonos, exists on three levels: machshava, dibur, and ma'isa. Thought, speech, and action. In thought, it's the prayer, like we discussed earlier. In speech. It's Dibor, it's Torah learning. It's specifically learning learning in Torah about Karbanais. That's specifically. And then there is action. The physical avoda in the Beis Amida. The, the, the temple service. Today's days, we can't do the Maisa. The action we can't do until we have a Beis Amida. But what we could do is the the, the Dibor and the Machshava we could do. The, the, the speech and thought we could. So that's what he says is the two Vamartalayims. The first one, Savas Bene Yisrovamartalim as Karboni Lachmi the Ishaidech Nikhoik Tishmur Lakrav Liba Mayada is all talking about the spiritual dynamics of Karbonis, not the physical. Then Vamartalahem Zao Isha Ashtakrivil Hashem Kvasim and Ishana Tamimim. That's talking about the Avoda actually in the base of Migdash, the actual sheep. So he's gonna say. How come the physical action can only be if there's a base of English? Why can't we shecht sheep every day in our backyard today for this avodah? It has to be also an action. Why can't we do it? Why does dafka the physical have to be only in Jerusalem and Yerushalayim, only on the temple? 
So part of the idea that he explains is that in order that even though mice is the lowest, thought and speech is higher. No, number one, he says, you find that all the mitzvahs you can do everywhere. You don't have, you don't need the base of English. Karbanais, you need the base of English. So why is it that tefillin you can put on everywhere in Los Angeles? A sukkah you can make everywhere. Shofar you can blow everywhere. But 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 karbanais you need a makam, you need a base of English. Number one. Secondly, he asked, the thought and speech of karbanais, which means prayer, which are connected karbanais, and learning karbanais, you can also do everywhere. Only the action of karbanais requires the base of English. So the real reason is because. All the mitzvahs are great. The spiritual avayda of karbanais in prayer and in Torah is great. But the highest of the high, which is the actual literal descent of the Orin Sof, to physically manifest and take hold in this world in a way that we can physically see with our eyes, for that to happen, that has to come from the highest place. That can't happen. And that needed a base amigdash. And only in that holy place were we able to achieve that this spiritual dynamics that we're talking about shouldn't just take place in the inner worlds and the inner workings of our soul, but to actually become visible to the naked eye, to be able to see it. But Gashmi Islam is taking place in the most external level of the world. That needed only one place, but only by Karbanis, because Karbanis was so high. Why? Because in the carbon is the general theme of this marriage between us and Hashem. In the in the literally our fire melts into his fire, our like you saw it in the most physical form. So that peak of all of mitzvahs, that's what we're waiting for, the base of Megdash, that we're lacking that. And once we have that, everything suddenly accelerates onto levels that are beyond anything that we can ever. The coals, as he says, b'chinas dibushu tal netoyer shal zen emer es karboni v'tishmeri es karboni v'tishmeri u'b'chinas machshav azutfila v'zen emer lahakrivli, which is lahamshachas oirin soif shabachachma to draw down the oirin soif and chachma b'chinas shabbos kodesh, which you draw on shabbos b'moyadoi and the three yamim toivim gimel moyadim shem mikroi kodesh u'mamshichem b'chinas kodesh b'tfilas yemei achol and then you can draw these mayadim all the way into the weekdays in the tfilas. You can make every Monday, Tuesday, Pesach, Shavuot, Sukkot, because you can daven shachras minchamayrim. You can draw it all down, but all in thought. V'nizbar de eskarboni ze yichud zun. Ochem lahak rivli b'moyadoi ze yichud abba ve'ima. We can ask because elbgud damishkin yichud vav, mishkin edz yichud yutkei v'nikrub b'chinas zuli. Ki yichud abba ve'ima shoshem ha'atik ve'in soif and ha'makir v'zeh. Let's get it Okay, he threw a curveball right at me right at the end because this party he doesn't he doesn't talk about in the in the other version. So let's see for a moment. I want to get there. But this that I just discussed to you about the actual physical karbanis required makam amigdash. Again, it's not stated here. It's stated in the original mimer that we learned many years ago. 
over there he discusses that Indian that in order for it to come down that required an action that needed to be only okay let's go back a moment over here see if we can figure this figure this out because now he's dwelling on the difference of of um of of escarboni ah so we but the only thing that needs to be addressed going back to the to the pasuk is the closeness the yicho the zivog the closeness is 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 hinted to in the objective is escarboni what's escarboni s is the letters which is you, you're made up of letters, the world, the, especially the letters of Torah, which is the Panemius. And Karbani means Lahakrivli, you're drawing me down. That's the Yichod, that's the Zivog. God is entering into the into the vessels, into the containers, into us. So as but why does it say it twice? Es Karbani and Lahakriv Li. Karbani means you're you're being Makariv me. Lahakriv Li means you are coming close to me. Why twice? As Karbani and Lahakrivli. And the answer is because the Zivug of male and female that we're talking about over here takes place on two levels. The Yichud of HaKadosh Baruch and Shechina, which is the Yichud Ze'er Anpin and Malchus. And then it's a higher level, the Yichud of Chachma and Bina. Which this is called the Yichud of Father, because in Atzilus, there's two couples. There's, there is there is Ze'er Anpin and Malchus, the emotions and speech. And then there is Chachma and Bina. The zivug that we're talking about over here through karbanos happens on both levels. So as karbani is the is the lower yichud, the yichud of Hakadosh Baruch Hu and Shechina, because s are the letters of Malchus. S is oisios letters, and Malchus is pet is words. Karbani is being mamshech Hakadosh Baruch Hu, the midos of Atzilus, to be unified with Malchus. Lahakriv li is higher. Is to be makriv in tabina damshachachma and all the way up to kesser. That's what he's explaining over here. Vinizbar, the Eskarboni, is a Yichud Zon. That's the Yichud of Zuchr Venukhu. Achim Lahakrivli, Bimoyadoi, the Lahakrivli, Ze Yichud Abba Vimin. That happens on Yantav, he said. Mikra Kodesh. Chachmas bin Nimshach in Tabina. Now, we find that this is what the Beis Amigdash did. It unified. What's the Beis Amigdash? The Beis Amigdash is our marital home. It's a place where we live with God. So the Yichud happens. Where do we find that the Yichud happens on both levels? The Yud marries the Hay, and the Vav marries the Hay. Yud Kei Vav Kei. Where do you have the perfect Yichud? You see it in, it's hinted to, in Pasha's Pekude, which Pekude, Pekude actually means a, a, a Zivug. Pekude mean, means a zivug. Where do we find Pekude means an intimacy? It says, Chayiv Adam Lifkoides Ishtay. A person has to be before he leaves, before he goes on a derech. Pekida means disunity. So Parsha's Pekude is the Parsha of the zivug. What does it say over there? Ela Pekude Hamishkan Mishkan Oedos. It mentions twice Mishkan. So the Zohar says, if this is, if the two Mishkans are the two, the two unities on the two levels. The Yichud of Yudke and the Yichud of Vav, the Vav and the He, these two levels. Eile Pekudei Amishkan Yichud Vavke. Pekudei Amishkan is the Yichud of Vav and He. Mishkan Eidos, which is higher, Yichud Yudke is the Yichud of Yudke. The Nikrub, and the higher one is called Li. 
lacrively. The nikrab chinezu and the higher level is called li. You're being makriv me. Why? Ki yichud abba ve'ima because the yichud of chachmem bina shorshoi. It's not just the sphera. It's, it's not just its root is ma'atik. It's rooted all the way up in atik. Ve'ain soif and in the ain soif. Ain soif harbeis and that's an atik is the abishter himself, not any. Projection, any sphere, attribute. It's God. It's li. Li means my very me. Taking me on the deepest level. And he's asking the question. The main avod of carbon is according to Kabbalah. What? Hamshachas mad. It's drawing. It's drawing my induchrin masculine waters. Mizah. From the Za'iran pin. That means Karbanais are really drawing only from the Vav, because the Vav is the Za'iran pin into Malchus. Nevertheless, we find that really on a higher level, Karbanais draw from much higher. It says in another Pasuk, by the first Karban that the Torah talks about, Hashem el Hevel, that Hashem turned to Hevel's Karban, right? Cain and Abel, Cain and Abel. When Hevel brought a carbon, it says Vayisha Hashem. Hashem turned. And according to Kabbalah, the word Vayisha has to do with Shin Ayin Ahirin. 370 lights of Keser. Amshacha Shin Ayin Ahirin, which is the, the lights of Atik Yomit, all the way out. Ayin Baramaz, Resh Pashasav, where he explains Kodesh HaKadosh and Klasidation, the three heads. Ayin Ba'inyan Sav, Es Tishmi Yilahakar, Begamara, Perik Da'al Dutayinus, Perik Tis Tepsachim. Here he just gives you a whole list of places to look. Look in all those places. Yeah, the main thing is Mashiach should come. We should have back our base Amigdash. And now we have what to yearn for. Another thing we have what to yearn for, but now we have a little bit of a, a little bit of an inkling. I mean, the Abish to help that we should. Merits.